This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. He was going the right way. Cohen, all the way. Touchdown, Chicago. Levine, he goes right by. Stop it, Samson. Did you not get the memo? He didn't come for the massage. He came for the facial. Oh, my goodness. Chicago's Game Day. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome in to Chicago's Game Day on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. We are here till noon, Abdallah, in the 10 o'clock hour. We will hear from Vincent Goodwill on the Chicago Bulls. Jesse Rogers live from Cincinnati on the Chicago Cubs at 1030. In the 11 o'clock hour, we will hear from Zach Harper talking about the NBA and Nick Friedel at 1130 on the Chicago Bulls. Summer of Nick. Kind of. Yeah, and uh, we will take your calls all morning on the Chicago Cubs. We're open for business, and your call is at 312-332-3776. We'll also tweet with you throughout the show. That's why we're here till noon. And, uh, Abdallah, uh, I say we will take your Chicago Cubs calls because that's how we're starting this hour. The Cubs lose yesterday 11-2 to to the Reds. They are now 42-32 and on the season. Uh, Luke Farrell did not have a good outing, uh, giving up the uh, three earned runs as the Cubs just get bludgeoned by the Reds. They've now lost three straight down in Cincinnati. They scored seven runs in their last three games. They've gone... Two for 16 with runners in scoring position. Yeah, it's brutal. In those games. Not good. If you go back and look at their runners in scoring position from their last seven losses, four for 40. That's my main concern. I don't care about the pitching right now. The pitching is riddled with injuries. You've got Mike Montgomery. He's going to get the start today because Tyler Chatwood's wife is going into labor. They're expecting a baby today. Or I don't know how long you go into labor for. You can go into labor for like days, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just move on. It could be like you, a while. You talking about childbirth is not going to... That's not going to bring them in at 9.04 on ESPN 1000. So. You never know. Anyway, So good keep luck. it to the baseball yeah, there. Good luck Bella. to them. I hope everything yeah. works out for them. They get a healthy baby and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. But okay, Mike Montgomery's going to start. You've the got you Darvish on the DL. You've got a bunch of your bullpen on the DL. You! So, to me, the pitching will take care of itself. Guys will get healthy and they'll be back to where they were. The problem is the offense. It has been horribly inconsistent for the last year and a half now. And they lead the league, they lead in the National League in run differential. They're finding ways to manufacture runs. They can't just do it consistently. You've got games like last week against St. Louis where you win 13 to 5. You've got games where you win where you put up 6 runs and win 6 to 3. You've got games where, you know, against the Dodgers last week you Win two to one. That's fine. Yeah. You win four to nothing. That's also fine. But then you go on the road to take on the Reds and you score seven runs in three games. Yeah, facing a sweep today in Cincinnati. So it's something to keep our eyes on. And, you know, you go through the box score from yesterday. Listella 0 for 4. 
Uh, Hayward, one for four. Uh, Rizzo, 0 for three. Uh, Contreras, one for four. Uh, Zo- uh, Schwarber, 0 for two. He did have two walks. Uh, Russell, 0 for four. You know, like it's all the way down the lineup yesterday. You know, Chris Bryant didn't play, but uh, recently Bryant hasn't been lighting the world on fire either. And a lot of this goes back to uh, the heart of the lineup, Bryant and Rizzo, not performing like we've seen them in the past. Now, Chris Bryant has been really good this season, mm-hmm. but he hasn't been at that MVP level caliber of play like we kind of expect. He has struggled at his level for, for most of this season. He has had flashes, but listen, the home run numbers are down. Uh, strikeout rate in in the last month has skyrocketed, which we, at the start of the season, were told that he was changing things, and we saw the walk and strikeout ratio uh, at the start of the season look pretty good, but mm-hmm. now that's dramatically changed. So, I mean, there I think there are things to watch with this Cubs team and, and kind of question, and that's why, you know, I get that it's early still because most Cub fans still have their heads in the sand and they don't want to watch baseball on a day-to-day <laughs> basis. Uh, but, like, here's the deal. You're playing in a division with a team that's playing really well. Mm-hmm. The Milwaukee Brewers are two games up on you. I don't think that that's a fluke. No matter how you want to dismiss the Brewers, and I know the Cubs have played well against the Brewers and had to had matchups, but the Brewers are playing well. And that's why I have the question for you, Abdallah, is... What's the biggest problem for the Cubs this season? Is it the inconsistent offense? Is it the back end of the rotation? Or is it the Milwaukee Brewers? You know, like, I, I think that, like, because we can look at all the stats, right? The Cubs, they're the number one team in all baseball and on-base percentage. Great. Mm-hmm. They're sixth in hits, right? That's great. Their offense is outstanding. The pitching staff doing a really good job. Their pitching staff to this point is pretty damn good. Yeah. In ERA, the pitching pitching staff, second in all baseball. So, I mean, pitching, the fielding, the batting, all really good. Mm-hmm. They've got players who've done it before. They've got a guy who's an MVP candidate. They have another guy in Javi Baez for most of the season playing some of the best baseball of his life. They've got the super team in the front office. Mm-hmm. They've got Joe Madden, who's a, a good manager, and you know that he'll get the most out of this team by the end of the season. Well. Well, but but his teams always perform better in the second half of season, so you know that that's coming. Yes, I would say though that there's a lot of from from the, you put out the the question on Twitter at Chris Black. You can tweet us at Chris Black at Adam Abdallah. You put out the question and you didn't mention Madden, and a few people have responded with the manager Madden. That's their biggest problem, and their biggest problem is, and I think that that has more to do with. Two things. One, his inconsistent lineups. Okay. And two, his use of the pitching staff. And whether or not he's taking out pitches, pitchers too early. Yeah, or not, not, la- not letting starters go deeper yes. into games. Notably, Kyle Hendricks yes. uh, being the guy who most people uh, are up, up in arms about when he doesn't get to continue on into an outing. Absolutely. So I think that... The manager, for some people, I don't think that the manager's a problem. I think Joe Madden's a good manager. I think sure. he sets his team up well for the postseason run. He understands, I think, better than any manager in the game that that there are two seasons. There's the 162 games, and then the, there are the playoffs. Is it fair to say that he's the best manager in baseball in managing the burnout factor of a season? Yes. 
And yeah, you had a you had a hangover year. You had the hangover year last year. Yeah, the excuse the that Cup fans use. Yeah, the hangover. Sure. Yeah, yeah, you had the hangover. Well, year. you know, the Hangover Two and the Hangover Three were terrible but movies. Even in the Hangover yeah. year, they still had one of the better records right. coming out of the break and in the second half of the season. So, to me, the answer to your question is the inconsistent offense because just going through their games, and I'm just scrolling through their schedule here. Picking out games, picking out stretches of the season. You know, the end of May, they have a few games here. They put up eight runs, seven runs, eight runs, and then they lose two. They only they lose two to one. They put up seven runs, seven runs. They win two to nothing against the Mets. They only put up one run in a loss. You know, they're winning games seven to five, four to three. They're putting up runs. There's there's they they win thirteen to five against the Cardinals, six to three against the Cardinals. Then they lose five to nothing last Sunday. When they can't, they can't get a run across at all. And then now, you look at this series against the Reds, seven runs in three games. And they're about, they might get swept today. There's a chance that they get swept today when they face the Reds later today around noon. Here's Joe Madden yesterday talking about the Cubs offense not hitting well again. I thought we had some, actually had some good swings. We hit some balls well. We a little bit unlucky on line drives. Yeah. But again, we know you're right. We did, we did not uh, square up enough. We did not get enough folks out there. Um, we didn't leave that many people on base. So it was not one of our better offensive days. Uh, he, he kept throwing the ball, moving down, a lot of ground balls. Um, he did a nice job. Um, we, we, just, we just did not hit the ball well again. Joe Madden on the Reds outplaying the Chicago Cubs for the third straight day. They definitely have played uh, much better. Cincinnati has. They've deserved to win all three, and we have to do a better job, obviously. You know, our pitching wasn't disarray today, and they took advantage of it. Here's Anthony Rizzo yesterday after the game. Obviously, things are not clicking, Abdallah. It's tough. You know, it's, uh, it's one of the parts of the season where it's obviously not going our way. Obviously, we're not clicking at all. And, uh, Yes, we got to score more runs. These guys can hit, we know that. And uh, our pitchers are definitely competing and battling. Offensive are just falling short. And it's, uh, you just got to keep running. You know, it's such a weird thing listening to Riz and listening to these guys talk about the inconsistent offense because they are good. Like, like it's so odd. The numbers say they're a really good offense. Mm-hmm. Well, why aren't you playing better baseball then? Because, you know, you go to Zahav Sharma's column in The Athletic from yesterday. The Cubs are averaging 4.81 runs per game, second most in the National League. But they've scored three runs or fewer in 37 of their 73 games. Yesterday, they scored two runs. So now the number is 38 of 74. Mm-hmm. Three runs or less. Almost half the games you play, you're scoring... Less than three runs. But your offense is outstanding. Best on base percentage in all of baseball. You're sixth in hits. I mean, what you get people on and you don't know what to do with it, and you look at yesterday's box score, 0 for six with runners in scoring position. It it's it's a problem and when you hear the guys talk about it, they basically have to just say uh, that's baseball. Well, I'm okay okay, fine. It's baseball. Cool. Let's let's all ignore that a season's going on. That's clearly what baseball would like. Yeah. Uh, baseball's not yeah. about people having interest in their sport and participating uh, and, and having a social conversation. They just want you to look at box scores and not watch, apparently. Like, I can't sit and watch a baseball game or watch sports in general and not have thought about what's the end goal. Is that a fair thing to say? Like, yeah. do you ever watch, sit and watch a game mindlessly and never pay attention to what actually is going on? 
Well, how many times did you fall asleep? Uh, well, in, in I fell asleep three times yesterday because I mean, game. come on, a blowout in Cincinnati. I, it's on. We'll address the uh, Bob Nightingale piece from USA Today from over the weekend too about how baseball has a problem and it's only getting worse. We're not going to do that right this second, but uh, listen, you try and sit down and watch a baseball game, even when you're paying attention, that's tough, man. I mean, it is so slow. But you wonder why. And there's nothing going on. Yeah, why people aren't watching baseball anymore. I mean, it's crazy. So uh, I put the question on Twitter, Abdallah, and the question is, what's the Cubs' biggest problem? The inconsistent offense, the back end of the rotation, or the Milwaukee Brewers? They have a two-game lead. At this point in the season, the Brewers are playing really well. Uh, their run differential is not what the Cubs is. Theirs is only a plus 57. The Cubs are at plus 83. But with 45 wins, they have the most wins in the National League. So if you want to join the conversation, the number is 312-332-3776. What is the Cubs' biggest problem? Maybe you want to go off the board. Maybe you're one of these people that wants to pick Joe Madden. Maybe you want to pick the fact that, hey, Chris Bryant isn't playing like an MVP. Maybe you want to say, hey, I expected you, Darvish, to be the number two, if not number one of this rotation. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm going to place my vote. So where do you vote? You can call us at 312-332-3776. Abdallah, I asked the question to you. What's the Cubs' biggest problem? Inconsistent offense, the back end of the rotation, or the Milwaukee Brewers? And you selected? I selected inconsistent offense because I think that even if the Brewers are good, the Cubs still have a chance to make the playoffs with the wild card. Now they're only one game up now on the Phillies in the wild card, but it's early, Chris. It's not it's it's only it's only it's not even uh, the old baseball saying it's, not, it's we're not early, even at the it doesn't break. matter. Okay. We're not even at the All Star break. Sure. So aren't we two weeks away or a week and a half away from the fourth of July? Yeah, it's Am I right about this? Two weeks. I mean, it's like ten days away. Hello. Today's the twenty fourth, so it's I mean, exactly what, so if you look at the Cubs schedule, uh they've got a series against the Dodgers, the Twins the Tigers, the Reds, the Giants, and the Padres, and you're at the All-Star break. Yeah. All right. It's I mean, early. Those it's are early. Be- look, look, those are winnable games. Sure. Those are winnable games. But if I told you that, watch, because you know how this team works. Right. This team will go out. They'll win three of four from the Dodgers. Here's what will happen. Mike Montgomery's starting, so they'll lose today because that's what they do. But they'll he'll give, give up, a good effort. He'll give up one run. Yeah. He'll give up one run, and the Cubs will lose one to nothing. Right, then they'll take three of four from the Dodgers. They'll get swept by the Twins. <laughs> right? Probably, yeah. Okay, it's a little, it's a two gamer against Detroit, so they'll split that. Then they'll sweep the Reds, and then they'll lose two out of three to the Giants. Like because that's what they do. These are all winnable games. And remember the three coming, the four coming up against the Dodgers this week: Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's a travel schedule today after the game to Los Angeles. Yeah. And then after the Dodgers series, coming back to Chicago to face Minnesota. Yeah, they play. That's a four o'clock game. That's a random one off to the West Coast. Yeah. To only return to the West Coast almost a week and a half later to go to San Francisco and San Diego following series before the All-Star break. But then you know what will happen, Chris? They'll go on their little All-Star break. They'll have their vacation. They'll have uh, four or five days off there, a little vacation for the for the Cubs, and then they'll win fifteen out of their next eighteen, something like that, something ridiculous like that, because that's what Joe Madden teams do. 
And it's not just a fluke. That's what they do every year. Sure. Yeah. Because they're always really good after they have rest. But isn't that a part of why Madden works and why managing the pitchers? I know you said taking guys out early. Well, part of a part of that is keeping them fresh throughout the season. Okay, but at the same time, they've already said they're going to use a six man rotation in the second half. This is is all stuff that they're keeping them fresh. But at the same time, are you not keeping your bullpen? Like you're taxing your bullpen at the same time. Yeah. you're using your starters uh, too much. Wasn't not, yesterday fun? You had a you had a positional player throwing sixty eight mile per hour uh, it was floaters. Eight to one. Who cares? Come on. The game was lost at that point. It's baseball. The game was lost. All right. So what's the Cubs' biggest problem right now on the poll on Twitter? Seventy one percent voting for inconsistent offense. Eighteen percent votes for the back end of the rotation. 11% voting the Milwaukee Brewers. And the reason I put the Brewers is because you look at all the stats and we can nitpick different things with this Cubs team, mm-hmm. but really they're good. They're just a team better than them in the same division at the moment. Yeah. So like to me, you, I could see people voting for the Brewers because their biggest problem is that there's just another really good team in the national league in your division. Does that make sense? Like, like, it may not entirely be on the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Like, there could be outside factors, thus the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, but at the same time, the inconsistent offense, I think, is what's going to get them come playoff time. Whether it's uh, a series or two before the playoffs start to keep them out of the playoffs, or it's like what we saw last year. When they get into the playoffs, their offense completely goes away and... You, someone just figures out that, oh, let's just pitch them high fastballs. And someone oh. will figure them out. Or they might not even need to figure them out. You might just get a series where, oh, well, this is the series where we don't have an offense now. Well, it's like uh, you're leading all baseball and on-base percentage, but what happens when you can't even get on base anymore? Exactly. Or like we saw last year against the Dodgers in the in the NLCS. You lead, you lead baseball and on-base percentage, but you're 4 for 40 with runners in scoring position. You've left 53 men on base in your last seven losses in, uh, with runners in scoring position. Like, that's not good. You can get on base. Great. But what does it do for you if you can't get those guys in? When you strand seven yesterday, three the day before, ten the day before that. Right. The first game against the Reds, they left 10 guys on base. You can't do that and, and expect to be a winning playoff team. You can do that and make the playoffs, but come playoff time when you're facing good pitching every single day, that's why I'm not worried about the pitching staff because you can go down to a three-man rotation come playoff time. Yeah, who's your third man? Montgomery. Oh, oh please. Get out of here. Leave the studio. You're done. You're you're done with the show. The playoffs started today. Who's Montgomery? better? Montgomery? Who's better? Over Quintana? Who's better? Uh, uh, well, I mean, two times through the order, and then you got to bring in Montgomery, right? Eric wants to yell at you about this. I Eric just like well, producing uh, the show. Or, uh, okay, I mean, Quintana. What happens, what happens to Quintana three, third time through the order? Well, there you go. We'll just split start it. Well, Quintana yeah, yeah. one through yeah. five, one Bullpen through fourth day. inning. Tag team back again. What's there wrong with that? Listen, man. Off if the he ropes. gets the win, who cares? Right. I, I'm just saying, man. I'm like, also surprised that neither of you mentioned, well, what about you, Darvish? Well, I think we can all assume that that's going to be a problem the rest of the season, right? Like, where, where, you know, <laughs> I get that he's been injured, but do you trust him in a playoff series? No, I don't trust him in a regular game. Well, exactly. You! 
So some of the answers on the on the poll, uh, like Abdallah said, Dan suggests Joe Madden. Uh, Rick says, why isn't the manager on the list? Uh, Robert, uh, his response is the fourth option. He's going with other uh, Jesse Rogers. That's who he's. That's the biggest problem for the Chicago Cubs. We'll talk to Jesse at ten thirty. Uh, Chris says I would add offense to the list as well. Offenses. Hope hope you guys are doing well. Uh, you too, Chris. Offense is there. Inconsistent offense. Um, let's see what else we have. I feel uh, like the Mad Hatter says none of the above. We don't have a problem. Oh, we good. I mean, like, and and that's why. That's why it's interesting to me. Like. Are Cup fans really just ignoring the fact that they're struggling? Oh, I like this one. Roger uh, tweets us, uh, the problem, the biggest problem with the Cubs, the nerds at ESPN Radio. Yeah, I'll I'll take that. Yeah. That's you and I. That's fine. (laughs) That's fine. Oh, Cap. Um, Did did Cap wake up and uh, hear what we're talking about? No, 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 no. I was yelling at Bears fans yesterday on Twitter. Anyway, um... I think that that blaming Madden is kind of a cop out. I think it is too because why? Like no one's gonna talk about the fact that your your two best players, Rizzo and Bryant, are not playing to their potential. That's my point. Is you have Anthony Rizzo, you have Chris Bryant, you have Kyle Schwarber who leads the team with 15 home runs so far this season. Yeah, you have the best offensive team in the National League. How is this Madden's fault? What is he supposed to do? Oh, we'll make a consistent lineup. No. Because it's worked for him. He won a World Series with the team. They came out and were one of the hottest teams in the second half last season. No. How about that? Yeah, I think what's what's it's super archaic to just point to we need a lineup that's the same every day. Haven't you seen enough numbers to know that playing the matchups and doing all the split work makes sense? Yeah. Like, it's not 1994 anymore. He doesn't just draw names out of a hat and say, here we go. Yeah, the analytics say this guy should be playing. Yeah. And everybody was like, oh, maybe you should use Bryant in the the leadoff spot because he can get on base but has problems hitting when guys are on base for some reason. So what does Madden do? He's been leading him off. Yeah. That's, when Daisy plays. That's Adam Abdallah. I'm Chris Bleck. This is Chicago's Game Day. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, 312-332-3776. We'll take your calls next. What's the biggest problem for the Chicago Cubs? Inconsistent offense, the back end of the rotation, the Milwaukee Brewers, or other? Give us a call. We'll talk about it right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day. Costello drifting and... Into the stands, did he catch it? He did! Yeah, but will he ever come out? We don't know, but he made the catch. What a play by Tommy LaStella. That was Baez-like. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. ABC with the highlight, Lennon J.D., LaStella into the into the stands. No help from Cub fans, though. No. Just let him. He's Tommy LaStella. It was a great catch. He ruined their beer and their nachos. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah right here on ESPN 1000. In the next half an hour, we will give away a four-pack to the Chicagoland Speedway. The race is on July 1st, the Overton's 400. If you want to go, a four-pack we will give away in this half an hour right here on ESPN 1000. So 
Mike Montgomery will be pitching today because Tyler Chatwood is scratched. His wife is going into labor. So Montgomery on the mound. Abdallah, we have a Cubs lineup for today's game, the 12-10 start against the Reds. We do. Albert Almora Jr. is leading off in center field. Jason Hayward playing right. Javi Baez at second. Anthony Rizzo at first. Wilson Contreras is catching. Maybe he'll remember to say thank you this time uh, to the ump. Kyle Schwarber in left. Ian Happ at third. Hmm. Addison Russell at shortstop, and Mike Montgomery is doing your pitching. Um, so if I check the wait. lineup from yesterday... Maybe, maybe it's hmm. alphabetical. Maybe I can't find B, B, R, Y. So yesterday, uh, Chris B-R-Y. Bryant had the day off yesterday, B-R-Y. and that's why we had the highlight of uh, Slappy Listella diving into the stands, right, from third. So Bryant didn't play yesterday. No, there's no, there's today, no, Chris, no Chris Bryant. Huh. No Chris Bryant in this lineup. Hmm. He is, uh, according wow. to... Jesse Rogers, who we will speak to at ten thirty, he is listed as day to day with. Well, okay, or maybe Jesse's just being funny, right? Because as they say in the departed, we, we all are, right? In his left shoulder. Interesting. He will not play today. He is not even available. When did this a, happen? Uh, I don't. I listen, man. All right, so we will talk to Jesse That's at a question 10.30. for Joe Madden. I believe he's going to address the media okay. shortly. So we will hear from uh, Joe Madden before the show ends at uh, noon. And then also we will hear from Jesse Rogers at 10.30. Uh, so breaking news on Chris Bryant out of the lineup now for a second day. And we will get an update uh, down in Cincinnati when we get it here. And we'll bring it to you. I mean, all right. I mean, look, it's just a shoulder injury. It's just soreness. Well, they, they could just be giving him an extra day uh, to get right before you, you play the Dodgers. Because they don't get a day off for a while, I believe. I'm looking to see when they get another day off. Because Madden likes to do the days off, give you an extra day off before you actually get a day off. The Cubs don't get a day off until, let's see, Monday, July 2nd. So Chris Bryant left shoulder soreness yeah. will not play again today. Mm-hmm. Jesse report uh, Jesse Rogers reporting there's no disabled list for KB though day to day. Yeah, uh, and we'll see what happens tomorrow in LA. This is not good though because as as we're having the conversation, if you want to join the conversation at three one two three three two three seven seven six, what's the Cubs' biggest problem to this point in the season? Is it the inconsistent offense which which Chris Bryant's a part of? Yeah, uh, the back end of the rotation or the Milwaukee Brewers, you might have a different option. Maybe it's Joe Madden. Maybe you want to say it's Chris Bryant. Maybe you want to say it's Anthony Rizzo. And the fact that they haven't played up to their potential to this point in this season. I, I think uh, this. See, here's the thing, right? Two games back of the Brewers. Mm-hmm. Uh, your offense has been fantastic. Everything's kind of worked out numbers wise, except in the win loss column comparatively to what Milwaukee's doing. And this team stayed relatively healthy in the lineup. I get it. You Darvish has been missing. That's fair. Mm-hmm. There's been injuries with the rotation. I get that. But the ro- but the lineup itself, you've basically had your 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 collective core together for the majority of the season to this point. Yeah. You know, Rizzo had the back early. Uh, Zobris was out for a while, mm-hmm. but for the most part, you've seen a healthy Schwarber. You've seen Baez. You've seen Russell. Chris Bryant to this point, outside of getting hit in the helmet 
in Colorado, Chris Bryant has been almost in the lineup every single day. You're also forgetting the newest uh, contributing factor to the offense. Jason Hayward has been a plus. Yeah, Hayward's been good. So I think that this team, and that's kind of the Jason Hayward that the, the Cubs thought that they were going to get when they signed him to the big deal. You know, obviously his defense is, is, is more valuable than his offense, but right now he's performing where the Cubs could handle missing Chris Bryant for a little bit because that's what the Cubs have always had this, this offensive depth, right? With Rizzo, with Bryant, with Schwarber, with Hayward, with Zobrist, with Listella, with Half, with Almora. You have a lot of guys that can put up numbers that aren't just there for their defense. Bias swings at everything. So you've got guys that are supposed to be able to pick up when you have injuries like this that don't warrant a DL stint, but can say, hey, you know, Brian's going to miss a few days with a sore shoulder. Deal with it. We've got all these other guys who can perform. Dan on Twitter has gotten to uh, myself and Abdallah at Chris Black and at Adam A. Abdallah. He says, why has batting average been replaced by OPS? Putting the ball in play is why the Cubs are struggling. Walk home run K doesn't put any pressure on the defense nor score with consistency. Cubbies are redundant up and down the lineup. I mean, li- listen, the way they want to construct this team mm-hmm. is on base percentage. Yeah. You know, it's it's the the mindset of money ball still to this day. As long as you're getting guys on base, eventually they will get in. Well. But the problem is they, they can't get guys in. I keep going back to the same stat that I've mentioned a few times, Chris, that in their last seven losses, they're four for 40 with runners in scoring position, and they've left 53 men on base. That's not good. And That's it's not, not- going to help if Chris Bryant's hurt. No, it's not going to help if Chris Bryant's hurt because he's a guy that gets on base. He can't hit with runners in scoring position for some reason. He can't hit with guys on base, but he is a guy that for the last few games has been that he's been in has been leading off because he's a guy that can get on base. And I know that the the mantra now in baseball is is home run or nothing. There there's not a lot of trying to move the runner over and get the runner in type of thing, but that's what Madden still preaches. Madden still preaches moving the ball. Madden still wants to see this team get from first to third and then work their way in, right? Like that's what he wants to see, manufacturing runs because he knows in the playoffs you're not guaranteed to hit 3 home runs a game. Yeah, the Cubs have done it in the postseason before, but ultimately when you try to win in the postseason, it's manufacturing runs. It's chasing pitchers out of a game. It's getting to a bullpen that's not as good as playoff team starters or chasing them out so you can get to other relievers. Like That's what you try to do. You want to keep the hit parade going. And the Cubs haven't been able to do that on any consistent basis for the last year and a half. Maybe they're still hungover. This may be the worst hangover ever. Maybe the, the Pedialyte didn't take. I don't know. But they Maybe have, they're still hungover. I don't know. It's been a year and a half. Like You'd figure that they, they'd be able oh. to figure this out by now. Abdullah, relax there, uh, Slappy. Was this still early? Well, it's early, and uh, this team's great. And it doesn't matter until you get to the postseason. What if they it, don't make the postseason? Now, th- that's a weird way to go about your, your fandom, right? It doesn't matter until we get to the playoffs. What if they don't make the playoffs? Right now, they're, they're in the wild card by a game. By one game. Yeah, to a young, scrappy Phillies oh, squad. scrappy. You know, okay, let, let's put this scenario out there. Let, let's paint a picture. Actually, you Ready? know what? You know who's two games no. back of the Phillies? Yeah. The Dodgers. The Dodgers. The who, Dodgers. Who are playing well. Yeah. And, and uh, 
Kershaw came back last night. Didn't look great, but he's back. They're a game and a half back right now. Oh, who do the Cubs have four games against starting tomorrow? The Dodgers. Um, And a game and a half back of both uh, the Phillies and the Cubs. Not only the Dodgers, but the Nationals as well. Yeah, exactly. Let me uh, throw this out there. What if the Cubs get to that, pl- that wild card game and they're facing the Phillies in that wild card game? If I paint a picture for you, Abdallah, hmm. what if in that wild card game... The Phillies roll out there, one Jake Arrieta oh. in a wild card matchup against the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field. There are places on the Cubs. You, do, no, seriously. That Jake Arrieta. Seriously, do you think will you, stick it? Would you favor the Cubs in that matchup no. against Jake Arrieta nope. in that showdown? Nope. That that chopped kitchen showdown. No. That, that Iron Chef showdown of no. a Jake Arrieta coming back. No. To Wrigley Field in a wild card playoff game? Because I will tell you what the Cubs will do. You know what the Cubs will do? They'll go right to the ice cream machine. And that's a risk. Yeah, you, yes, that, that is a Iron Chef reference. Yes, chopped you, reference. Yes. yes. Well, you in both. True. Don't was, go to, well, no, because I trust an Iron Chef with the ice cream machine. Sometimes they know you don't have enough time to let it set. They're getting, no, they know what they're getting into. You got a little more time on Iron Chef. But with Chopped, sometimes that's risky, man. So I'm just throwing that out there. What if Jake Arrieta is the one the Cubs face in that wild card matchup, the one game winner go home to move on to the next round of the playoffs? Well, I remember when the Cubs were in a wild card matchup, Chris. Yeah, and how'd that go? Well, they they play, they they pitched Jake Arrieta. Yeah, it was pretty good, right? It was pretty. It was pretty good. <laughs> it was pretty good. It went pretty good for Jake Arrieta that day. It was pretty great. Yeah. So yeah, I don't. I mean, look. I don't. Cubs fans will say that it's not going to come down to that because oh, we beat up on the Brewers last year, so that's what we just do. And it's like no, that's not what. It's it's different. Every year is different. You never know what's going to happen. Did you see the article on USA Today about baseball having a bad problem and it's only getting worse? It was from yesterday. Yes, I did. Can I share this column with you coming up next? Yeah, let's talk about boring baseball. We'll also give away the. No, I mean, it's, but that's what it's about. It's about how how boring how yes. baseball is 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 somewhat boring. The now. numbers are are pretty outrageous. Yes. Uh, we'll address that coming up next. We'll also give away a four pack to the Chicagoland Speedway. Keep listening right here on ESPN One Thousand. This is Chicago's game day only on ESPN One Thousand and ESPNChicago.com. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN app. We're here till noon. We'll talk some NBA coming up at ten ten with Vincent Goodwill about the Chicago Bulls draft. Jesse Rogers will check in with uh, news on Chris Bryant at ten thirty. Chris Bryant not in the lineup again today for the Chicago Cubs. A Sore shoulder. Sore shoulder. He's not going on the DL. We'll talk to Jesse what's going on with KB, the rest of the Chicago Cubs, as they try not to get uh, swept out of Cincinnati. Day to day. Later today. So we'll talk to Jesse at 1030. Uh, Abdallah, before I get to this column from Bob Nightingale in the USA Today about baseball's bad problem that's only getting worse, Mm -hmm. let's give away a four-pack to the Overton's 400 at Chicagoland Speedway Sunday, July 1st. All right. Can I tell you something first? You and I have been to races. Yeah, it's awesome. They're so much fun. You got to splurge for the headset, too, so you can listen to the the pit crews and the uh, drivers talk back and forth. You got to get there early and tailgate. Like, it is. It's a blast. You know what it's like is, you. so if you don't know, when you go to a race, you can rent a device that allows you to listen to the crew chief and 
and the pit crew talk with the driver. It's like if you're at an NFL game and you're listening to the offensive coordinator talk to the quarterback yeah. during the game. It's cool. And you you got to go check it out. Do it for all the drivers. Yeah, you can pick your driver. You can do whatever. You can listen to all of them. You can switch back and forth. It's really cool. All right, so here's the question. The first caller that knows the answer to this. We were talking about the Cubs offense and their uh, inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. And somehow we got onto a tangent mm-hmm. talking about Food Network shows. Mm-hmm. We are talking about Iron Chef. Mm-hmm. We are talking about Chopped. Mm-hmm. And Abdallah mentioned a item in the kitchen that takes too long sometimes, which is a, a tricky proposition when you're under the gun, under the clock, yeah. and Chopped and being an Iron Chef. What is the thing that we were talking about in the kitchen you have to watch out for? And the first correct caller... We'll get a four four pack to the Chicagoland Speedway on July first. Yeah, and have and they'll have fun out there because it's a blast. It is fun. Bring it's a, a lot grill, of fun. do all that stuff. Okay, Abdallah. So uh, Major League Baseball has a bad problem, and it's only getting worse. Bob Nightingale in the USA Today published uh, a couple days ago. This was on the twentieth. Some numbers that pop out at me while reading this column. Mm -hmm. Players are striking out more than any other time. We knew this. It's an alarming 22.5% of all plate appearances and in a strikeout. MLB is on pace for more strikeouts than hits. And I believe that's the first time ever that Major League Baseball is on pace for more strikeouts than hits, which is a crazy number. Because if you go back to 2009, the gap was like you had... 10,000 more hits than strikeouts yeah. in 10 years ago, right? Yeah. Uh, the National League, which uh, Bob writes, is expected to adopt the DH within the next five years. They only have four teams with more hits than strikeouts in the entire league. Uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks have the lowest batting average in baseball, 227. Mm-hmm. They have 135 more strikeouts than hits. They're in first place of the NL West. The Brewers... They've been shut out a major league leading 10 times. Ugh. They've grounded into more double plays than any other team in the National League. Boring. They're in first place. Boring. The Cleveland Indians uh, lead their division. They're the only team in their division, the AL Central, with a winning record. Uh, that division has been so bad that the entire division has been outscored by 230 runs combined. Jeez. A staggering 41 position players who have appeared in games on Tuesday night, we're batting below 200. 41 players in Major League Baseball who were batting on Tuesday night were batting under 200. Uh, he wraps up the article by saying, Commissioner Rob Manfred believes a pitch clock will be the magic elixir. Perhaps it won't bring any further excitement into the game, but at least it would reduce the time of boredom. Maybe we just have to be patient, hoping that this is only an ugly cycle. Maybe in time, hitters will actually learn to hit the other way and actually beat those relentless ships. But baseball better hurry, because the NFL is dominating the sports landscape, and LeBron James and the NBA is stealing the headlines. It's starting to get late, late, awful early. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The strikeouts, you know what's boring? Strikeouts. Unless it results in something historic, like a no-hitter, or a record for strikeouts, and you're at the game, or you're watching the game. But me just telling you, hey... Justin Verlander threw a no-hitter yesterday. You're like, okay, cool. So the only time baseball... When is baseball exciting? When you're watching a Cubs game, when is baseball exciting? Well, you know, baseball is exciting in the playoffs because every pitch matters. But I'm saying in a regular season game, 
when is baseball exciting? Uh, it's exciting when someone hits a ball down into the corner and they're running for a triple. That's exciting. It's exciting when you see a shortstop collect a ground ball, toss it to a second baseman, try to turn that double play. That's exciting. Um, it's about it in my book. Like what? Maybe a gap, a gap shot, and you watch a center fielder gliding through center field, and then boom, he makes a dive. He catches the ball. That's that's exciting. So. Under that umbrella, atop of that umbrella, I can just put... Running? The ball is in play. Well, or and running. Yes. There's like active r- yes. athleticism being taking place, Not right? the team standing there while the pitcher throws strikes and yeah. the batter strikes out. It is all about putting the ball in play. And running. Yes. Athletes so, running. And I understand that... Pitchers are trying to strike batters out. That is your goal, unless you're a contact pitcher. And hitters are trying to hit the ball out of the park. It is easier to hit the ball once and get a run than hit the ball three times and get a run. Yeah, sure. That makes perfect sense. Okay. So, yeah, but ultimately, that results in home run or not. The majority of the time, you're getting the not, and the not is super boring. Yeah, it is. It's super boring to watch a baseball game. And honestly, for all the um, think tank uh, ideas to fix it, I don't know if you can. And don't just say, oh, you millennials, you millennials. No. It's not us. No, it's yeah, not. we're millennials. Cool, cool. 30, 33 years old. Fine. Yeah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. It's the generation under us. Yeah, you failed with them already. And the like, generation under them. Yeah, some of the millennials are still interested there's no way you're going to be able to get the, the teens. Because you and I have a ton of friends that are super baseball nerds. Yeah. That love yeah, baseball. Love they love baseball. You know what they are? Millennials. Yeah. You know what the generation under them doesn't like? Baseball. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't blame them. Hey, Marty in Chicago. He wins the first four-pack yeah. of tickets to see the Overton's 400 at Chicagoland Speedway on Marty Sunday, Party. July 1st. The stars of the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series return to the Chicagoland Speedway. Get your tickets now through Ticketmaster.com. He knew the answer, which was? The ice cream maker. Yeah, watch out when you're on Chopped or uh, Iron Chef. The ice cream maker is a time commitment. It may not set in time. I want to go on Chopped so bad. That's Adam Abdallah. I'm Chris Black. We'll talk Bulls basketball. Vincent Goodwill joins us in about 10 minutes right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back to Chicago's Game Day on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black, along with Adam Abdallah. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. We are here till noon at 1030. We will get an update from Jesse Rogers. Live in Cincinnati on the Chicago Cubs. They face the Reds at 12-10. Trying to avoid the sweep. And Chris Bryant is out now for consecutive days. A sure, uh, sore shoulder. Shoulder watch. He's not being placed on the DL, but we will have the latest from Jesse in about 25 minutes right here on ESPN 1000. Abdal, before we get back to the Chicago Cubs um, and their struggles, mm-hmm. let's address the Chicago Bulls. And the draft struggles? was... Well, the the draft was Thursday night. I don't think that they struggled at the draft. I thought they got two good players. Hopefully, both can be a part of the future building forward. Yeah. Um, but I think if you take all things considering, what we saw on Thursday night from the Chicago Bulls is that 
this team is going to be good enough to compete for the playoffs this season. Don't you don't you agree? Yeah, I mean, look, they they play in the East, so it, it's not that hard to make the playoffs, let's be honest. And a lot of their guys, like Zach Levine, should he re-sign in Chicago, will have a full year to play, right? Like he will be playing for the full year, which he didn't last year. Uh, Larry Markkinen won't be a rookie. He'll have developed. He put on, he's on muscle watch right now. Muscle watch. Yeah, so... And ultimately, all these guys playing together for another year, more chemistry, all that kind of stuff. And then you bring in the new draft picks, who should be a, a decent center moving forward. And yeah, they should be able to compete. And they still have a lot of money to spend. Yeah. Like, I don't know who they're going to sign, but they, they still do have a lot of money. I don't think they're going to surprise us and sign any of the big name free agents. But they'll get a couple of little decent guys, probably. They've got a lot of money to spend. We're five minutes away from talking with Vincent Goodwill from NBC Sports Chicago about the Chicago Bulls. And uh, while, while we wait for uh, Vincent, the, the thing that I agree about, you know, they have the money. But the impression that I got from both Gar and John Paxson on Thursday night is that they kept hammering home, be patient. We're going to be patient. If an opportunity arises, we'll take advantage. But we're not going to be out there forcing a signing in this free agency to to force to say that we signed someone with the cap space that we have so you know it's interesting right because if you have all the cap space but you were unwilling to take back chandler parsons contract to then move up to the fourth pick because you wanted jaron jackson Mm -hmm. uh when are you going to use the cap space if you're not planning on using it in the offseason this summer anyway right like next season but if you're saving but like if you save it this summer, like this summer's money doesn't get the rollover into an imaginary bank where now you get double the money next year. You, I know, think- you know what I'm saying? Like, so like the, the position they're in with Zach Levine is this. They hold all the cards, rightfully so, and they're going to make a smart decision on him because he needs to prove it. He needs to prove that he can go out and get a better contract than what they're going to offer. That's mm-hmm. probably not going to be there. They should lowball him and... If he takes it, he takes it. If not, I say, you know what, Zach? Good luck to you. And we'll we'll keep the money for something else that we can add to this core right now. I am not overspending for Zach Levine. I think what they'll do is this. I think that they are going to, like you said, lowball Zach Levine, see what he does. He as go, they should. As they should. I'm as, not as saying that as a negative slant Absolutely on the not. situation. Absolutely That's not. exactly how they should play this. He should go out. See what he can get. If the Bulls want to match, they match. If not, see you later. That's cool. I think that they will eventually move uh, Lopez in the middle of the season to try to get something because he's just going to leave anyway. So what's the what's the point? I think they like you him. You don't want to get Gasold. You don't want to get Gasold. Uh, I think that's what's going to happen. Ugh. I think uh, they love his uh, fit with the culture, uh, fitting in with marketing and Wendell Carter, and I think he'll be there. And I think what will happen is they might sign uh, one or two ancillary pieces to kind of assist, but nothing splashy like you suggested. I but think, look, look at the East, Abdallah. This team, uh, they're going to compete for a playoff spot. And I think that their signings are going to be advantageous to next year's free agency. Meaning it's going to be maybe uh, one year with a team option or maybe a one year with a player option on guys who can go out and get more next offseason. And I don't think they're going to make any long-term commitments uh, because I think that the way that they've been preaching their free agent flexibility, which is a word that they uh, both Gar Foreman and John Paxson like to use a lot, 
is they want to be flexible heading into next free agency because that has a lot more um, a lot more free agents that are willing to come to Chicago that would ideally be willing to come to Chicago. LeBron's not coming here. Mm, Paul George yeah. has already talked about if you read Sam Amick's piece yesterday, yeah. talked about how he is considering staying in, in Oklahoma. Kawhi Leonard, the Spurs will only trade Kawhi Leonard to a team in the East, and the Bulls don't have anything yeah. to trade for Kawhi Leonard unless they literally give up everything they've been working for. Well, they should. Well, they could. I mean, they Kawhi won't. Leonard is that good. But they won't. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, a, it, it, it's just such a fascinating situation that they're in because they're building something. But really, what are you, you know, it's nice to build something to grow together, but if you don't have that number one piece, what are you really building? And I don't you're, think marketing's a number one piece. Uh, but but yes. this is why it all goes back to the fact that from them, uh, he is, and he's going to have to be. So on Thursday night, John Paxson was talking with Nick Ferdell, Jonathan Hood, and myself. And we were talking before Pax came over about how with this draft and what they have, they can make the playoffs. So Jonathan asked Pax about the playoffs. I know you're not going to say it, but we've said it here on the show. Because of the core that you already have in place, plus what you've done in the draft, you know this team is probably destined for the playoffs. That's probably not what you wanted, though, because you always talk about the process, right? Let, but let's then, not get listen, you guys are already touting playoffs. Let, let's let's uh, let's slow the train down here a little bit. So I don't, the fact that <laughs> well, Pax, it's, it's, it's a weak <laughs> Eastern Conference, yeah. and, if, and well, we see the landscape uh, before let's, us. Let's, let's just, it may be it may be much weaker in a couple weeks, well, too. Well, well, the train is getting past you. Yeah, well, it, it's gonna, I mean, that's not what you wanted, but look at the core that you have. Does, don't you think that that's a top eight team that well, you're, I don't know. you're let, running? Let, let's, let's see. I, I, I never I'm, I never want to anoint young players to, you know, all of a sudden they're going to be something. This league is hard. Dunn and Levine are veterans. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah they are. They're, they're some of our most veterans. And, and, you know, I... When you draft like this, you, you tend to forget certain other guys. And we still have Bobby Portis, who had a terrific year for us. Denzel Valentine, who, who had some really good good times for us. So we, we feel like we're, we're kind of starting this nice nucleus, and it's young. Um, but look. It's we're, moving too fast for you. We, well, we're realistic. <laughs> we know this. In order to win in this league, you need some stars. Right. And our hope is that Lowry's going to become one. Our hope is that Zach and Chris Dunn are on that path, you know, as well. And if they are, then we, we've got something good brewing. But we're going to be patient, and, and you know, we, we're going to be disciplined in our approach. I think tonight, kind of, you know, when, when we look at what we did a year ago and got those three pieces for Jimmy and what we did tonight, I mean, in, in one year's time, we feel like we've gotten five really good young players. And that doesn't happen very often in this business through the draft and, and through a trade. So um, we feel good about it. That's John Paxson on with myself, Chris Black, Jonathan Hood, Nick Ferdell on draft night right here on ESPN 1000. Abdallah, you know, Paxson's face when Hood said that was like shocked that we were talking positively about the Bulls possibly making the playoffs this year. Well, it's not something that people do a lot of recently. Well, no, but like I, I think for a second he thought that we were kind of being sarcastic, but we were legitimately talking like, like this team in the Eastern Conference has enough talent. So Yeah, that's look, they have enough talent, but how many times have we heard as Bulls fans we have more than enough to win with? Well yeah, yes, and, and it's yeah. not been and it's not been more than enough. Uh, I'm Chris Black with Adam Abdal. We'll take your calls on the Chicago Bulls coming up next, uh, 312-332-3776. But let's go on out and talk with Vincent Goodwill from NBC Sports Chicago first. Vincent, uh, after the picks at the draft, what did you think about what the Bulls did at 7-22 and on Thursday night? 
I, I guys, I know there was a lot of, I guess, consternation about uh, the Bulls sticking at seven, not moving up, and you know the promise to Chandler Hutchinson that that we knew about uh, for better part of a month now. But you know, predictable isn't always bad, and sometimes you don't have to take a stupid pill right before the draft to do something crazy just to rile up a fan base. I do like Wendell Carter. I do like, to a degree, what I've seen from Hutchinson. Uh, so I, I, although I understand the thought about, you know, moving up and everything else, uh, I'm, I wouldn't be too upset if I were a Bulls fan about exactly what transpired Thursday night. Should Bulls fans be, I don't want to say, like, upset, but should it raise an eyebrow when – the report came out about Chandler Hutchison, and then that came to fruition. Like, should that be something that worries fans that they were that committed to someone that they weren't uh, worried about flexibility at that position? No, I wouldn't be. Too. That's that's more so the business of the draft. Unfortunately, sometimes things like that get out, and the Bulls can't control to some degree those type of you know those type of leaks because. Clearly, those type of things don't come from inside. So what I'll say to that is, what I'll say this, and there was a question I asked that night uh, when Gar and Pax came out and talked to us. I asked them, you know, was your affection for Hutchinson, you know, a deterrent for you trading up? And if that's the case, either Hutchinson better be good or you made a short-sighted move or you got two for the price of one. You know what I'm saying? So either way it goes, like, and who knows what their logic, you know, was in the moment. You know, I, I think when you make a promise to a guy like that, you want him to not work out for other teams because you feel like you have a gym there. You know, and a kid out of Boise State, a four-year player, that almost fits the profile of someone who's largely overlooked by the NBA at large, by the NBA scouting world at large, and you don't want everybody else to know exactly what you found. The, back, the downside of that is four-year college guy, coming into the league, you hope he can step right on the floor and be able to at least contribute immediately. Yeah, absolutely. And Vincent, uh, during that same press conference, they said that they had conversations with several teams about moving up, and they couldn't get a deal done uh, ahead of seven. So if they moved up to four, who did you think they wanted at four? Jaron Jackson, uh, junior from Michigan State. If they, if they got up to four... And let's say, you know what I talked about a couple of minutes ago, taking a stupid pill? Yeah, right. Everybody was wondering where <laughs> Sacramento was going to take a stupid pill at, too. And whether that meant they would take, you know, a Luka Doncic or if they would reach and take Michael Porter. You know, and that would leave even Marvin Bagley at four available for them. So they would have had their choice between Bagley and uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., and I actually, to a large degree, agree with them on Jackson Jr. as far as being a long play. I think, you know, in a few years, even though he won't step on the floor immediately and be rookie of the year, I don't think, I think there's a very good chance in four or five years you're going to look at him and say, man, he should have been the number one pick because he's so versatile. He fits in the way the NBA is and where it's going. So I understand their logic and looking up and possibly trying to trade for him. So this week, NBA free agency starts. It's the best time of the year if you're an NBA fan, basically. Uh, what are some names that Bulls fans should be looking out for? Because obviously they're not getting the pie in the sky of LeBron's and Paul George's. So who are some names that the Bulls should be Bulls fans should be looking at that the Bulls could add early in free agency? Well, I, I wonder if they'll be as active as 
uh, people may expect them to be. Like they're they're got to take care of Zach Levine, and, and they have to figure out exactly how much that's going to cost them. You know, they have about thirty eight or thirty nine million, I believe, or somewhere around that range in cap space, but that's not factoring in Zach's contract. That's not factoring in uh, at least a year from now. I believe they'll get a deal done with Bobby Portis before uh, the start of next season. So I don't know if they're going to necessarily look at it and say we have to spend this money, you know, once they take care of, once assuming they get a deal done with Zach Levine. But uh, a guy like a guy would think that they would look at it as a guy like Will Barton. You know, you still need help on the wings. He's a guy who can who can score. He can play multiple positions. He can play, you know, two and three. And he can get his own shot. He's a, a streaky scorer. You know, a guy we, I was thinking about, but he opted into his contract yesterday with Wilson Chandler as well. He was opted into, I think, 12.8. I think had he come out of free agency, he might have got a longer deal, but, um, you know, more guaranteed money, but less annual, uh, less annually. So I wonder if, like I said, going back to the original point, I don't see the Bulls letting this uh, cap space burn a hole in their pocket. They were one of the teams last year that uh, was below the salary floor. So they had to redistribute a lot of that money amongst their 12 players on the roster. So clearly they don't feel like they have to spend, you know, all the way up to it. I think, I think it depends on how they view their franchise going forward. I don't know if they'll be in playoff contention next year or even that's how they view themselves. I wonder if they think they need to spend one more year in the lottery and then make a jump going uh, after next season. Well, if you do that, Vincent, though, what do you really accomplish? Because I assume that they'll be picking below seven, if that's the case. If they still plan on being in the lottery, but but not contending for the playoffs, what, they'll probably be like 10, 11, 12, somewhere in that range. What does that really assist for going towards the future with a pick like that? Like, that really doesn't accomplish a whole lot, I, I don't think. I mean, well, there's if you look at it, Paul George was a first round first round draft pick lottery pick at like ten. Kawhi Leonard was a guy at fifteen, I believe. Like there's this school of thought that unless you get the first three picks, you, you, there's no point. Sure. And I think that's where a team like the Philadelphia seventy sixers has skewed, you know, the, the view of how non playoff teams are supposed to operate. The draft isn't an end all be all. If, if the Bulls have done their jobs as far as evaluating talent, then Larry Marketing is someone who can develop into a potential number one. And Zach Levine should be closer to getting there, assuming he's completely healthy. And then Wendell Carter, who I actually really, really like, he's going to develop into a, a you know a plug-and-play type of guy. So I, I wouldn't be so upset as long as the next season it shows progress, it shows steps for Lowry Market, and it shows steps. For Zach Levine, and if those guys are as good as the Bulls think they are, there's no way they should be at the top of the lottery anyway. And if you're going for the playoffs and you miss about three or four games, but you're trending up and you have flexibility, you have cap space. Adding another young player to that makes even in a draft not as good as this one, but someone who's cost controlled, someone who you can basically you can basically add up to. Let's say what Boston what Boston strategy is where. They're basically saying, if a superstar comes onto the market, we'll have enough good young players that we can trade a few and still have a few in our in our treasure chest. So if you add one more good cost-controlled young player at 10 or 11, then when it comes time to make a superstar trade, you have enough on both ends. 
That's a good point. Uh, one la- one second thing on Zach Levine. Uh, we talked about what the Bulls might do. What do you think his ceiling is in the league? Like, what do you think the type of player fully healthy and developed will be? What will Zach Levine be? That's a great question because it's really hard to say. Like, for someone who's been in the league for, you know, going into restricted free agency, usually there's a book on him. In a book in a way that says, all right, he's been a starter for X amount of years. He's been able to, you know, he's been able to accomplish a certain level of things. But because in Minnesota he was playing behind Wiggins and he was being shuffled around, and then he gets injured right when he starts to, you know, turn the corner. He gets injured, then he gets traded, then, you know, everything else that happens after that. You know, I'm not quite sure what his ceiling is. Maybe it's a, a Bradley Beal you know, type of player. I don't think he's as great of a shooter, but I do think that he can create his own shot and, and maybe a more versatile, you know, offensive player as far as, you know, being able to uh, uh, distribute and being a little bit, you know, taller so he can, you know, play multiple positions. But I think that's a question Zach has to answer. You know, this season, this season's going to say a lot, and unfortunately for Bulls fans, he's going to get paid before he shows exactly what he can be, but he believes he can be you know, a top flight two guard, and this will be the first season where he can really show it without anything, any restrictions holding him back. You addressed it a little bit earlier, but as far as the Bulls' talent goes with these young guys, with marketing, let's say they do re-sign Levine and he comes back, and with Wendell Carter and Dunn and everybody that they have, where do they rank as far as the teams with money where if i'm a superstar not this offseason but next offseason where if i'm taking meetings with teams i look at the bulls as a team with young players that i see that i can win a championship with well to me that's why this season is so much more important you know in terms of development than it is and well they should make the playoffs or you got to get a win a number of wins you know that type of thing that's why i felt like last season was kind of a waste because although you found those guys could play, you didn't really know exactly how they fit in a larger scheme because they, you know, the three main pieces didn't play hardly any time together. So in that degree, it was lost. This year should be about that. So you can set yourself up to be with the Bostons and the Philadelphias and even the New York Knicks, you know, assuming they get their house in order, you know, as far as free agency. And players are going to start to have to migrate at some point, like the the West has a lot of talent, you know, and a lot of top heavy teams. At some point, players are going to look and say, you know what, there's a better opportunity for me to win in the Eastern Conference. And if the Bulls have their house in order, if, you know, the franchises, how do I say, if the franchises, coaching staff and front office and all those things are trending in the right direction, the Bulls could be an attractive place. But you have to have, that's where, that's that mirror in front of you. And if guys aren't taking meetings with you, or if the Bulls don't even put themselves in that conversation, then that shows that maybe they aren't as far along as they like to think they are. But if next season they develop, and next season guys start to show a little more, a lot more improvement, even if they don't make the playoffs, then the Bulls can set themselves up to be in a great position in the summer of 2019. Did anyone else around the league catch your eye on what they did draft night? Anything you liked that you saw from other teams? Uh, Atlanta was Atlanta and Dallas. That trade was really curious for me. Um, I was really surprised at Denver taking Porter, but 
from the looks of it, it looks like a red shirt year <laughs> for him where right. I wonder if he plays uh, at all, which could be a good thing for him like it was for Ben Simmons if he doesn't need to go, you know, and undergo another back surgery again. But, yeah, there were, there were a couple of teams that made some very, very subtle moves. Like, I don't think this was as top-heavy a draft as people thought it was going to be. But I do think there was a lot of solid talent between, let's say, 6 and 22. You know what I'm saying? Those yeah. type of, right, well, I guess right at the edge of where, you know, the Bulls were picking, you know, to maybe not in the second round. And I just could come back to bite me because there could be like a, a Gilbert Arenas, Carlos Boozer type of player in the second round. But it, those usually, you know, play out as the season goes on. You really don't see that uh, two days after the draft. So, yeah, there, there were a couple of teams. The Clippers, you know, because of the Kawhi Leonard stuff, I thought there was going to be more movement. But usually whenever there's a summer of LeBron coming up, teams don't do too much moving and shaking around the draft. They usually try to set themselves up for the aftershocks, uh, either if you're a team in a LeBron sweepstakes or you're a team that's hoping to catch you know, a player or two in the backlash of it. So I think a lot of movement is going to happen with the league over the next week or so, and the draft was kind of the first step of that. Thanks for spending some time with us. We love talking basketball with you, Vincent. Hey, no problem, guys. You guys take it easy. That's Vincent Goodwill from NBC Sports Chicago. I'm Chris Black, along with Adam Abdallah. It's always good to get his perspective on the league because working for so long covering the Pistons, now he's here covering the Bulls. Mm-hmm. Vincent has a good perspective on what the landscape of the league is and what's going on in, in player movement and everything else. So I, I think it was a great conversation. Well, I think Sea Red Nation also has to like take a look, take a step back and because you always hear the, oh, we've got marketing and Levine and we're great and everybody's going to want to come here. It's like, well... Yeah, I mean the 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 76ers have positioned themselves to have a lot of cap space too and Boston's the same way and people always want to go to New York because Porzingis is a great player. Like there's also there's always other teams. Like the Bulls aren't always why like people get offended that players don't want to come to Chicago. Well, yeah, it's because they're hanging out on North Avenue Beach and they're like summertime shy is outstanding. Why doesn't anyone want to be here? All right, well, these guys are multimillionaires who can go wherever they want. So, listen, they all all live in Los Angeles or Miami in the offseason. Yeah, Carmelo picked up his option in Italy. Yeah, this is what they... All right, so this is what we're going to do. Jesse Rogers coming up. Joe Madden is talking in Cincinnati. When Joe Madden's done talking, Jesse will call in. That's coming up, and we will get an update on Chris Bryant. He's out today. Back-to-back days, he's out. He has a a sore shoulder. It's tough to say. It's not. Well, for me it is. And uh, so we'll get an update on uh, Chris Bryant. He's not going to the DL, though. So maybe just two days off. He'll be back maybe tomorrow. We'll find out from Jesse coming up. We'll also take your calls on the Chicago Bulls. We'll get to Nico and Schaumburg. We'll get your call in there. We'll also talk to you at 312-332-3776. Bulls conversation and an update from Jesse coming up next on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. We're here till noon. Standing by for Jesse Rogers. Joe Madden still speaking down in Cincinnati. We'll bring you some of that and Jesse Rogers coming up. Once that completes, the latest on Chris Bryant out of the lineup today, Abdallah, as the Chicago Cubs face the Reds looking to avoid the sweep. They've lost the first three games in Cincinnati. Chris Bryant was off yesterday. He's now off today. Shoulder is sore. 
He's out. He's not going to the DL. We will have an update on Chris Bryant coming up in minutes right here on ESPN 1000. But let's continue the Bulls conversation until Jesse calls. So, like, we look at this team heading into free agency, and it, it's they're in a weird spot. Mm-hmm. They're too good to be one of these tanking teams. And if they were healthy for the majority of last season, they could have competed to try and make a playoff spot. Yeah. You know, like, if they didn't artificially suppress at, with some, some rest and – Lopez isn't going to play, and then Holiday is not going to play, and then here comes a slap on the wrist from the league because the league has a good relationship with the Bulls, so they wanted to use the Bulls as a example to others not to tank. They could have competed in this last season. So do you spend this offseason, or do you hold this money until a magical free agent comes about who says he wants to play in Chicago? Because the Bulls have been telling us for three years now that they're, they're playing the big short. They're the only ones in the league Mm-hmm. who saw this cap situation, so they they shorted the market, and mm-hmm. they're going to be the only ones with money to spend this offseason, next offseason, and in the future. Well, if you never spend it, what was the point of all this? The problem, Chris, is sometimes, you know, you're out. It's summer. It's summertime shy here, right? We're all out and about. Everybody's going out at night. We're partying. And, uh, you know, you're at a bar. You're talking to various members of the opposite sex, and you're like, hey, not good enough. Not good enough. Eventually, you walk home, but you go home by yourself. You want to go home by yourself, Bulls? Is that what you want? <laughs> That's your analogy? That's my analogy. Okay, great. Is you're going to end up going home by yourself and ordering pizza. Well, there's nothing wrong with that because pizza's always good. Pizza's always good, but I've had pizza. I'm done with pizza. No, you're not. I'm never done with pizza. Pizza's fantastic. I want a lot of pizza. That's Adam Abdallah. I'm Chris Black. If you want to join the conversation at 312-332-3776. That's the number. Let's go to Nico in Schaumburg. Nico, what do you think about the Bulls' uh, rebuilding process? Hey, so I was just thinking about another name. Instead of letting all this cap money just go to waste, do you think a guy like Jafari Parker would be a name that the uh, Bulls would just take a chance on, maybe just see what he is? I know he's still young, hasn't really proven much, but uh, just think that he could be uh, exciting back here in Chicago. I'll let you guys guys talk. Thanks for your call, Nico. We appreciate it, man. And, you know, Jabari Parker is an interesting name because I know before the offseason started, that was a guy that I was kind of keeping my eyes on. Um, Whether or not he will resign with Milwaukee as a restricted free agent, is he the type of guy that's worth it for the Bulls to overpay for, to pry from that team? No. You know, because Jabari, um, you said no, Um, like Julius Randle, is going to be in a situation where if you want him, you can overpay and you can pluck Julius Randle from the Lakers. They want to keep the two max slots open to mm-hmm. go after high price free agents. Julius Randle is going to be available for someone to sweep in and take advantage of. Same thing with Jabari Parker. I mean, uh, from everything I've read on Milwaukee is that they like what they're building with Jabari there. But when you watch him play with that team, he seems out of place he doesn't quite fit with what they're doing i don't need another often injured player on the bulls well that's fair that i mean that's it that that's essentially it i don't know if i don't know if he fits i don't know i that's fine i'm not overpaying for an often injured player that's i'm not doing if i'm the bulls for that's the one thing i'm not doing anymore like you want to do you want to keep zach levine around he's only had the one injury you want to keep zach levine around that's fine i get that he's still young how old is jabari now He's 23. Okay. I just, I think that he's had too many injuries. And I, th- I don't think it's worth it anymore 
to overpay for that. Jabari in four seasons has played 183 games. Four seasons. No. His uh, career average is 15 points per game. Five and a half rebounds, two assists. I, I like his game, but he, you know, it's weird. Tweeners are fine in today's NBA, but you also have to be lights out from three-point range to make that work. And he only shoots, last season he shot 38% from three. So is that going to tick up? And if so, maybe he is someone to take a chance on. But I think for what the Bulls have with Wendell Carter and with marketing, I think it's unnecessary to add a Jabari Parker. The key thing you said is, is someone willing to overpay? For Jabari Parker. Yeah, to pry him away from the Bucks. And I'm not overpaying for Jabari Parker. That's just not happening. That's I'll pay, a- I would pay for Jabari Parker. Right. You're just not going to overpay I'm not to overpay. get him away from a team. Yeah. Uh, Steve on the Northwest side, uh, what do you think of uh, the rebuild to this point? Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, man? Well, you know what? Um, to be honest with you, I've been a diehard Bulls fan for a long, long time, up until a few years ago. You know, I gave up on the team, gave up on organization, uh, just because it seems like every year there's an excuse. There's something that comes up. They just can't go out there and compete and say, let's win now because get next year is not guaranteed. You know, so I gave up on them. I still like to go to the UC, eat the nachos, look at the people, nice environment, great atmosphere. Steve, but that's all I really look forward to. I don't look forward to them winning anything. Steve, when you say you gave up on the team, what does that entail? You don't watch the games well, anymore? It, 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 it seems like to me, well, I don't really put my hopes up for them winning. I don't expect them to win. Uh, I just, because it seems like to me the, the whole organization kind of doesn't care about winning. Because if they do, I mean, obviously they'd make better moves, better decisions. And they will not tank. I never understood that idea, tanking. Steve, what do you think they care about if they don't care about winning? I think it's all about selling out. You know, they're going to sell out. It's a beautiful place. I mean, think about it. I mean, what, what happened since Jordan left? We've had great coaches in, in Tom Thibodeau. They get rid of him. You know, we've had a great bench mob. They get rid of him. Those guys got a ring elsewhere. So the organization does not care about winning. And, and that, that's just my opinion, and that's how I feel. And, you know, that's, I'm a LeBron fan, you know. Thanks for your call, Steve. I, I think that's a fair opinion. And I think, you know, many Bulls fans share that thought, that the organization doesn't necessarily care about winning in, in the sense of it being the end-all, be-all. Right, there are some organizations that you can just tell they have to win or else. Right, I like that, I think that the Bulls organization feels. I think that they overvalue what they have. I think that they want to win. Okay, I think that they want to win a championship. You've got John. Listen, John Paxson wants to win. Absolutely, more so than does anybody. Gar. He wants to win, but but I and I understand Gar does too. But I'm saying specifically, Pax, who played, who oh, yeah. played with Jordan, wants to win, of cares course. about winning more than anybody in that in that front office. Okay, I just think that they have the mentality of if we get into the playoffs, anything can happen, and you know what? It doesn't. The same thing happens every year. Now, you may get a team that can challenge another team, that can take another team to seven games, and you get lucky in that seventh game. Like, the 76ers are going to be a force next year. The Celtics are going to be much better next year when their two best players come back. Just getting into the playoffs as the fifth seed, the sixth seed, that's not good enough to win a championship. And I think that they think that if we get in, 
we have more than enough to win with. And we can we can do this with what we have because once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. But, but it can't. But it doesn't. But it doesn't. It doesn't. The same teams win. Now, you can have a shot. You can catch a team that's down. Like if Boston had Kyrie, they would have probably won that series. Right? Um, It's not a probably. They would have won it. Okay. They would have won it in like six games. Okay. There's so, no way that's if Kyrie plays, there's no way that that series goes seven. So you had your shot at LeBron last year. Yeah. Okay. Now he's going to go somewhere. We don't know where. He may go out west. He may go with the 76ers. He may do may stay with Cleveland. You never know. But you had your shot last year and the Bulls were tanking. So you missed out on that shot. Now he's getting older, LeBron, all that kind of stuff. Where is he going to go? What's he going to put around him? But now because it's taken you so long to to rebuild, you're years behind where the 76ers are. You're years behind where Boston is. And now you have to get to that level before you even get to championship level. It, it just tells me that everything is really riding on Lowry marketing. Not that we didn't yeah. know that, but if he's not a star, then they have to redo the entire process. Right? Because... How else will they be able to acquire said star if marketing's not the guy? Mm-hmm. I get, yeah, we can sit on our hands and wait for a free agent to sign here. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Benny, who uh, follows us and listens to all of our shows, tweets us, the Bulls organization cares about winning, but they suck at building a championship contending team. Now, that's technically not true. Because what they built around Derrick Rose was a team that could have contended for championships. Yeah. It is not the front office's fault initially that when Rose got hurt, that they didn't contend. Now, blaming the injuries for the five years after Rose's injury to why they weren't contending, that's an issue. You got to move off of it, right? Absolutely. You got to move forward. You got to have a plan B, a plan C. You got to do something else. But, like, they, they build, try hard, good teams. They, they're pretty good at finding guys and getting the most out of their abilities. But what happened they're just, when... They're just not landing the top ten players in the league. When they had that championship caliber team and Derrick Rose was on that team, where was Derrick Rose picked? He was picked first. Okay. Not seventh. But, but Abdallah, they didn't tank that season and they got the first pick. I know they did. See what I'm saying? I know. Let's go to Frank in Naperville. Frank, what do you think about the rebuild? Hey, how you doing? So my question to you guys is, we're saving all of this money for them for next year for the cap space. We're supposed to have maybe able to, what, a player and a half of Max? Who are the players that we're actually targeting with the John Paxton timeline that he's talking about? I looked at the sports tracker. I've been on look. I don't see really any good, interesting superstar players that will make us a difference, you know? No, yeah, that's a great point because if you think about it, this offseason might be the offseason where guys are available. Thanks for your call, Frank. You know, like, like here's the thing. It's not about the, the specific timing. You just have to be ready when the moment happens because after Kawhi – his whole situation's over with, there's going to be another disgruntled star somewhere oh, yeah. who's going to want to move, right? Uh-huh. And you're going to have to be able to take advantage. And there's a good chance that LeBron's going to sign somewhere else, or even if he stays in Cleveland, mm-hmm. he'll eventually want to leave again, right? Like Because even if he stays in Cleveland, he might just re-up and just take that one-year deal. So he could be a free agent next summer. Who are they going to get? Russell Westbrook? N- no, probably not. I mean, he's signed to a long-term deal. So what are you going to trade for him when he's disgruntled with Sam Presti and the Thunder? 
I'm just looking at guys that, that might be available. Are you gonna Are you gonna think that that Kawhi is gonna stay, and then you can take a run at him when he's a free agent next year? Kyrie is Kyrie coming here? Uh, Probably not. You're gonna bring Jimmy back? I mean, in 2019, uh, Clay Thompson becomes a free agent, but he's already had talks with the Warriors to re-sign in Golden State. He's not leaving Golden State. He's content. He likes being the guy who's the fourth guy. They're dudes and winning that just love winning and just and you don't understand. Clay's a different dude. He's not. You can throw all the money at Clay you want. He's not leaving Golden State. You know, uh, are you looking at like Brandon Ingram, the I mean, Lakers? So you're looking at guys who haven't proven anything when they when they hit the market. Kevin Love, Ugh. he's a player option, but Goran Dragic, you want him? But see, none of these guys are going to get you to the championship level. Get, and everybody ah, will say, "Here's a name." Ah, I've got your you name. Say Anthony Davis. I've right? got your name. 2019. You know who's a free agent? Taj Gibson. Should we sign Taj Gibson again? Goodbye. Abdel uh, turned off his mic. We will. We are still waiting from Jesse. Joe Madden is still talking down I mean, in look, Cincinnati. I don't know if he's listening, but if Jesse doesn't hurry this up, we might just not have time for him. Well, I mean, and, and heaven forbid that we don't have time for Jesse because on Friday when he was bumped from Carmen and Yurko, he went off the handle. So, uh, so we better carve out a few minutes for Jesse to give his report from Cincinnati. <laughs> so that's coming up next. We will also give away a four-pack of tickets to the Chicagoland Speedway coming up next in the next 15 minutes. Keep listening right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We're going to give away a four-pack of tickets to go to the Overton's 400 at Chicagoland Speedway on Sunday, July 1st. If you're caller number five that knows the guest that was supposed to call at 1030 who has yet to call yet, on the show, we're still waiting his call. Caller number five who knows that answer, mm-hmm. you get the four-pack this hour to the Overton's 400 at Chicagoland Speedway on Sunday, July 1st. There's a guest we are still waiting for still waiting to call me. into the show. <sighs> Caller number five, you know the answer, you get four-pack of tickets. I don't think we're going to have time for him, to be honest. All right, Abdallah, uh, let's talk about something. Um, we will get to the Cubs update Cub at date. 11 o'clock. Update. We will talk to Zach Harper at 11.10 and Nick Friedle at 11.30. So we have a lot of Cubs and uh, basketball to cover before we're out at noon. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night, uh, you just mysteriously uh, never showed up. You never uh, hung out with your friends last night. No, well, what, what's no, no, the deal no, no, no. with, the deal with what you're doing? I wasn't invited. Okay, tweeters. All right, wait, Twitter, wait, what Twitters. Is, so, so we were out no, and Abdallah just went no. MIA? Shut up. You heard me. Listen, this is what happened. We are on a group text, okay? I was at home. I was watching various programs. And you shot out to the group text, is anything going on tonight? Yeah. I'm not usually the one, the first one to respond. I'm, I usually wait in the weeds and see what's happening yeah. and then pick my spot. I've got better things to do, Abdallah. That's your next. No, 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 not well, at look all. Look at me over here. I was here. literally just sit, just I've sitting. I've got better things to do. I was literally just Abdallah. sitting at home. Okay, so then I come in today, and you say, "Hey, our good friend and uh, friend of the show, 
Adam Amin came out last night. I go, what do you mean came out? Where you you came out? Yeah. Then I find out yeah. that that you got a side text, so you're doing shady side texts. No. Okay. Yes, you are. Why no. didn't you say? Okay. So so then hold on. You got a side text from someone in the group text. Yeah. You got Tim. a side text. Tim. Tim texted me after I said anything going on, and he said, "Yeah, I got to get out of my apartment." Let's hang out. And I said, okay. all right, let's hang out. So then why what didn't you say to the group, Tim and I are going to get dinner? Because you never responded to the original text. Did did you did you text did you text Adam and tell him you were going out? Yeah. So why didn't you text this Adam and tell him you were going out? Because you already knew that the plans were to go out. No, they weren't. The plan you were gauging the landscape. You were throwing out feelers. Tim wanted to go out. Mm-mm. Adam Amin wanted to go out. But you didn't tell me you wanted to go so out. So we went to public house. You're a bad friend. You didn't show up. You're bad. Because I didn't know. How am I supposed to show up to somewhere that I don't know about? No one said anything. You reached. You took the time out of your day to reach out to Adam Amin. You took time out of your day to make plans with Tim. But, but, but uh, uh, hey, Adam, what? we're going to public house. Uh, hey, you up? To no, me? No, we're not. No, you're, you're an adult. You could have responded and said, yeah, I would like to hang out. Uh, Eric Ostrowski producing the show. What do you think uh, on this topic? Who's in the right? He took time to reach out to someone that's not even on the group text, but couldn't even tell his friend. But the, the, the person not on the group text, wedding. the person that not on the group text never got the initial, yo, you want to do anything. All the, you had to do yeah. is say, yeah, sure. The yeah. best to man that first one. Anyone wedding. doing anything else? You could have even done the, the lazy where you just liked the text. The best like a man thumb up. at his wedding. Couldn't even get a, we're going to public house. It's fine. Oh. At least, uh, at least you didn't blow us off for uh, other friends like Nick did. So we'll we'll address that with Nick in a it's half weird. An hour. Nick just texted me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's just, uh, he said you guys need Fred to officiate. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we went out, and uh, Nick never showed either. Oh. We'll address that, and we'll hear from Jesse Rogers. Phil and Oak Forest knew the answer. Jesse's the one that we're still waiting on to call with an update on the Chicago Cubs in Cincinnati. We've got basketball. We've got Cubs updates. Chris Bryant out of the lineup. More coming up right here on ESPN 1000. Oh, Chicago's game day. Deep to left field, and it is there. Chicago's game day. He's at the wall. He leaps. He caught it. He caught it. It's a triple play for the Sox. Bases loaded. Bases clean. This is Chicago's game day. Only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome into Chicago's Game Day on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. We are here till noon. We're taking your phone calls on the Chicago Cubs at 312-332-3776. And Abdallah, last night or yesterday afternoon, the Cubs lose 11-2 to to the Reds. The Cubs are now 42-32 and on this season. They've lost three in a row to Cincinnati, looking to avoid the sweep today. Yeah, and we're going to finally talk to Jesse Rogers. All right, Jesse, down in St. Louis, ESPN Chicago Cubs reporter. Jesse, what's the latest with Chris Bryant? In Cincinnati, not St. Louis, but that's oh, okay. Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, that's all right. Um, yeah, okay, so there's a lot to go over today. Let's start with Bryant, the most important news. Um, sore shoulder popped up about five days ago. It's not his throwing shoulder, so that's the good news. I think it's just from swinging a lot, and maybe that was a result of being in a little bit of a slump over the last month or so. So he swings a lot. 
he has a little sore shoulder, which has happened before to him. So it's not a new kind of injury for him. In the past, it's only been a couple, three days where he sat out. So he's hoping it's the same here. He's icing. They're not going to put him on the DL. He thinks he could be ready tomorrow, but I would think more like Tuesday would be my guess in Los Angeles. So he will sit out his second straight day. Um, does not sound serious from Joe's angle, from Joe's perspective, or from Chris Bryant's either. So that's the news with him. So, Jesse, I also heard yesterday with Fred Hubner, you had some good numbers on the struggles Chris Bryant has gone through to this point, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's in the last month more than, you know, a lot of people were asking me about when he got beamed. Um, he was fine after he got hit in the head. Uh, for a month, he had a, like a 900 OPS, which is about his career average. But the month since, since base, you know, basically June or May 28th, um, whatever it is, it, it's more like a 697 OPS. He is getting on base, though. I mean, the OBP is fine. He's just not slugging as much for whatever reason. Now, maybe these last five or ten days had to do with the shoulder. Maybe, yeah, certainly you could draw the, a direct line from, from the shoulder injury to a lack of power. Uh, but there's more going on there. Um, so let's just call it a, a slump, a slugging slump combined with an injury now has, has really uh, decreased some of those numbers. Uh, but it's clear it's not the beaning. It's, it, it's very clear it's not the beaning. So let's see what he, what he does when he comes back from this little hiatus. Joe always talks about, you know, uh, the byproduct of uh, the, the silver lining, I guess you should say, of an injury is rest. You know, he's going to rest. He's not going to swing a lot because of the shoulder injury. He's not going to play, obviously. So when he comes back, he should be at least a little fresh in that respect. And then you also tweeted a few minutes ago before joining us that Lester may not start tomorrow since he threw 119 pitches last time. Yeah, so let's go through this whole thing. Tyler Chatwood was supposed to start today, Lester, uh, uh, Montgomery tomorrow in L.A., and Lester Tuesday. It would give Montgomery and Lester both an extra day of rest. I think they both need it. To be honest, Lester, because he threw 119 last time out, and just uh, five straight starts uh, for, for Montgomery with no extra days off, you know, four, four days off in between. I think as a bullpen guy moving into the rotation, it wouldn't hurt to get an extra day. Well, he's not going to get his extra day. He did plan on starting today. Uh, Joe Madden got a call from the traveling secretary at 5.30 this morning, and he answered it because it was the traveling secretary. He said he doesn't answer the phone very often for anyone else, but uh, BJ is, is the guy, you know, when he has news, you got to answer the phone. And it was the Chatwood's wife went into labor. Chatwood got on the first flight out of town. So Joe waited till about 8 a.m. to call Mike Montgomery. He didn't want to wake him and tell him he was starting today. I talked to Montgomery a couple days ago. He said he was planning on starting today. He was, you know, he felt like if he planned to start today, if he prepped for today, it would not be a big deal to add a day. But if he had prepped for tomorrow and they moved him up to today, it would make a difference. So good good job by him on that. But that that would leave Lester tomorrow on regular rest, by the way. He pitched four days ago, five days ago. So uh, they decided that 119 is too much. They're going to try to get somebody there, I guess, from AAA. They said it won't be a bullpen day. It won't be someone from the 25-man roster now. But they did not announce who. So maybe they're not positive yet. But Lester's the kind of guy, if you tell him you're pitching Tuesday, mentally he's prepping for Tuesday. So I think it, it makes sense on a lot of levels. But you may have to sacrifice another game tomorrow. I don't know. We'll see. Depends on who they bring up. They don't have a lot down there. I'd have to look. Uh, Joe just mentioned this. I'd have to look at whose turn it is at AAA and all that jazz. So uh, remember, their top prospect, Adver Alzale, is out for the season. It's not a great situation to be in, but they figure let's, let's at least put Lester in the best position to win. 
Right, Jesse, because uh, Friday, Quintana wins. So you go uh, Farrell yesterday. You're going to have Montgomery today. And then question mark, some mysterious pitcher uh, pitching on Monday. That's three games where you're not in your regular rotation. And then you have Lester and Hendricks picking it back up on Tuesday and Wednesday, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Okay, so here's the deal. If they stayed with their regular rotation, Lester tomorrow, everybody's on regular rest. But now you have an open hole on Thursday, you know, because Farrell was Saturday. Thursday's the open hole. Now, you could fight Chatwood out there, right? But I, I think they'd rather do it the other way around uh, because what frame of mind is Chatwood going to be in? He's at, they're having the baby today. Paternity leave is one to three days max. They won't officially put him on there until tomorrow probably. He could do it. But I don't know. What frame of mind is he in to fly out to the West Coast to pitch on Thursday? So I think they'd rather fill the hole tomorrow, give everyone, uh, all the regulars, an extra day of rest. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you have your regular guys going. You don't have to worry about filling Thursday. You're filling Monday. And then Chatwood could always start back at home on Friday without having to travel. It really sets up better for him. He can stay home with the baby all the way until Friday and pitch. So, so instead of making Thursday a question mark, they're making Monday a question mark. So maybe it, it, it six half a does the other, and it works out better for all the regulars to get an extra day, and then Chatwood starts back at home. So in that respect, it, it works. But who knows? If they get crushed tomorrow, no one's going to think, like, this thing is, is a good thing, right? Yeah, and you have an update on you, Darvish, as well? Yeah, he's going to South Bend, Indiana, Class A baseball, Monday. Go buy your tickets now. I've been out there. It's a great facility. It's the Class A uh, uh, spot. Um, he'll pitch uh, 70, 75 pitches. I even asked Madden if they thought about pulling a Kershaw. You know what they did yesterday, the Dodgers? Yeah. Instead of sending Kershaw out to a minor league start, they, they pitched him against the Mets for three innings. They could have done that tomorrow with Darvish to fill that Monday hole. The only difference is the Mets are absolutely god-awful against left-handed pitching. So it's almost like a minor league start. Sorry, New York. Um, where tomorrow it's the Dodgers, maybe they, his former team. You know, maybe they didn't want to treat that as a as a minor league rehab start. So he said no, they didn't consider it. He'll go to South Bend, um, and of course the Cubs will face Kershaw on Thursday uh, with that three inning stint behind him. So you expect him to be almost at full strength. But yeah, Darvish in South Bend Monday. Carl Edwards Jr. off the bullpen. I think he threw off the bullpen today, as a matter of fact, but they have not talked to him, but he's at least progressing uh, the way they, they had hoped, even though it's been a little bit slow with him. All right, so now that that's all the news, um, I'm going to ask you a question that I asked you on Twitter yesterday, and you didn't respond because I thought we were friends, but I guess we're not. You're not. Uh, why are the Cubs bad at baseball? Oh, come on. <laughs> come on, Dalla. You know, I asked Joe about this. Um, it, it's, it's, it is coincidental, but it is interesting the last three Junes, they've had their issues. And it's only three games. I mean, they just beat the Dodgers, and he joked, like, we beat the Dodgers in a tough series with the 27 Yankees. Now we lose three, and we're, we're you know, we're terrible. Um, June of 16, they had 24 in a row before the break. They had grinded to a great start, 25-6. and six. They limped to the break. They come out on fire. Last year, um, in June was about injuries and, of course, the hangover effect. They fielded the youngest team for any defending World Series champion. There was a, a series in Washington against a great team, the Nationals, where they fielded, again, the youngest team by age for any World Series champion since the Marlins sold off their team in 97. They had issues. They come out of the break last year, go on fire, win the division. 
They're in survival mode right now. A weird schedule, four in Cincinnati, four in L.A., right back home. They're in a little bit of a survival mode. Um, Rob Zestrisny went down with an injury. They called up two minor league pitchers. Luke Farrell's down. Uh, Corey Mazzoni's back up. Justin Hancock is back up. They had to refigure their starting rotation at 5.30 this morning. Their MVP rookie of the year is now out with a sore shoulder. They're still missing their closer. They're still missing their setup man. And they're on the road. It, they're in survival mode, which means you've got to win a few games here and there. You can't get buried. But it's not going to look pretty. It's not, you're not going to have a winning record right now. Now, I didn't expect 0-3, but I told Sylvie and Watto I expected 500 over the next 12 to 13 games. And maybe they'll get there, maybe not. But that's why they're bad at baseball right now. Um, they did have a run after Memorial Day to get them in a, in a decent position. What, what's, the problem was they didn't have a run in April. They didn't have a run in April mostly because of Darvish and Chatwood. So they had their run in May, got into a better position, have gone backwards a little bit here in the last few days, and I think they will continue to, to tread water. But you know Joe's teams. All-star break, boom, August, boom. They go on a run, and I think he's expecting that again. Jesse, they're not bad at baseball, but one one last thing for you. Um, we've been talking all morning about this. What's the biggest problem for the Cubs? Inconsistent offense, the back end of the rotation, or the Milwaukee Brewers? What would you pick? Uh, I guess the Milwaukee Brewers. I, I don't think they're going away like they did last year. Um, I've said this several times. I think they've got the mojo, the camaraderie that the Cubs had when they were climbing. Uh, you look at the Cardinals, I think they don't have that, for example. So I would say the Brewers, I, I still think the offense is going to be there. Um, it doesn't always show up, folks. I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm being reminded of something John Lester said about Boston fans in a negative way uh, and Boston media. Boston treats baseball like a 162 one-game season. We've turned into that a little bit here. It, it's just you can't look at it that way. I don't disagree. There's fluctuations in the offense that are a little strange. Even Chris Bryant said that. Uh, just a few minutes ago when he was talking about his injury. That, that, that is true. Um, and I do think there's that moment in the fifth and sixth inning and, you know, when the game could go either way and more, and more than it should, it's gone against the Cubs. Either they haven't capitalized scoring-wise or the starters slash bullpen's given it up in that moment. A few, you know, a few games in this series have proven that out. Um, so, but at the end of the day, if you lead the league in on-base percentage, the numbers are going to come. The numbers are going to come. Uh, let's see. I will tell you this. Everyone says that I back Joe all the way. No, I don't, but I see what he's done in his career. It's pretty darn good. If they don't go on their second half run like they always do, and that, that you're risking a lot, um, you know, waiting on a second half run. But if they don't, that's when you can start to fire on the manager. Certainly this year, more than last year. Last year was just surviving, and they won the division because they're that good. But if they don't go on that run while he's resting guys and you know, all that stuff, if they don't go on that run, then it's time to fire on, on Joe and this team. But right now, they're 10 over. They'll probably be about 10 over around the All-Star break. That's my prediction, at least. Maybe 12, maybe 8. But then in the second half, boom, you better go get those Milwaukee Brewers. Thanks for your time, Jesse. Uh, have fun at the game today down in Cincinnati. Yeah, you got it. Take care, Adam. I love you. Chris, you're okay. All right. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Jesse. See ya. That's Jesse Rogers, ESPN Shy Cubs. <laughs> uh, interesting. The Cubs now for the next couple days kind of scrambling with the rotation, trying to figure it out. I, they're in a tough spot. Yeah, at the moment. And, uh, I, you know, you now it might might be if you, if you're like one of these uh, stressful Cubs fans that ride and dies with every game, maybe you should yeah. take a Madden like break from the games because these these could be interesting the next few days. Can we uh, move to some basketball here? Yeah. 
Okay, uh, Zach Harper joins us right now from FanRag Sports and uh, Count the Dings Podcast Network. I listen to their podcast almost daily. Uh, he's outstanding on the NBA, and uh, he's here joining Chris Black and Am Abdallah right now on ESPN 1000. Zach, how are you? Thanks for taking time with us today. I'm excellent. I don't recommend... 82 one-game seasons for the Bulls this year. I just don't. I think it's a bad idea. It's a bad way to go through life, right? It's tough. I mean, you know, I get it. Like, sports are an escape. We're passionate about it and everything. Um, but for me, as a, as a longtime Timberwolves fan, uh, they, they killed me long ago. So, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I would imagine, I, I would have thought the Cubs were the same. Now then, the Cubs got really good, you know, won the World Series and everything. So maybe if the Timberwolves... Uh, managed to to actually be uh, a relevant team past the first round of the playoffs. I'll feel differently, but uh, yeah, that seems like a rough way to go. You know, after the draft on Thursday night, uh, the conversation in Chicago about the Bulls' two selections was mostly about how it was safe and not really that interesting, just kind of like ho-hum. They just went about the guys on the board they selected, and yeah, we'll kind of see. From your perspective on a national landscape, what do you think about the Bulls' rebuild to this point? I think it's pretty solid. I mean, you know, you, you don't. Look, it doesn't look like they have that that one young star, right? Like Laurie Laurie Markkinen is, is fantastic. Right? He he could be really good. He may make he may make these leaps at some point that um, that make this that statement you know sound foolish. But he doesn't look like oh that's definitely a franchise guy. Um, Zach Levine really good coming off ACL surgery, but he was never someone who looked like that franchise guy. So they have like all these solid young building blocks, but not that one to center it around. They didn't pick that up uh, Thursday night. Wendell Carter Jr., really good, really solid prospect. Like, probably could be, um, you know, a, a great 10 to 15 year starter for a good team. Uh, Chandler Hutchison, like, you know, four year guy, has to prove that he can shoot at the NBA level, but, you know, looks like one of those prototypical glue guys. And we know, you know, four year college player, so we know the Bulls management loves that. But outside of that, like, they don't really have that guy. They're still searching for that guy. Maybe you swing for the fences Thursday night and, and go after Michael Porter Jr. to try to acquire that guy. But at the same time, his medicals look so bad and scared off so many teams that that, that may not have been the right move on any level. As far as how the Bulls have set themselves up for uh, free agency starting this week and moving forward, how do you think they rank amongst the, pl- the teams with cap space as far as where free agents uh, would like to end up? I mean, I think pretty low just because it should be an attractive market. It should be an attractive situation, uh, cap space and everything. But not a lot of NBA veterans want to go play with young guys. Like, that's what we keep, you know, we talk about, oh, the Sixers, they could be players. Oh, the Lakers, they could be players. You gotta realize, like, if LeBron goes to either of those places, he is shipping a lot of those young guys out of there for veterans because that's what he wants to play with, and that's, you know, that's kind of the, you know, the, the agreement on some level. Uh, veterans don't want to play with young guys because they want those young guys to develop into something good, so they know that when they're joining them, uh, you know, they they can put their trust that this is the right direction of the franchise. Not, oh, hopefully someday they'll get it together. So I think the Bulls are kind of behind in that respect, but. If you can grab those veterans, those those you know veterans on small deals that aren't crippling your cap, and they can they can help mentor these young guys. That's really where the Bulls want to want to go. Like those Robin Lopez type of players. Those are the guys that you want around your team to teach your young guys how to be professionals. That way, in three four years, once they start hitting their stride, 
then they're the team that everybody wants to join. What did you make about the trade in the top five with uh, Luka Doncic and Trey Young being traded between three and five for the Hawks and the Mavericks and, and the Hawks trying to build their franchise around Trey Young? What did you make of that trade? Travis, like the, the general manager, he is a lot more confident in Trey Young than I am. Which, <laughs> you know, he's, he's got more information than I do. I think Trey Young could be really good. And, and I get the Steph Curry comparisons. I wrote about it, you know, back in like January, February, trying to see what was there and, and, and if those comparisons were valid on any level. Like I get it, but the difference between him and Steph, and granted, he still has a long time to reshape his body and, and to, and to turn into, you know, a, a much better player past the age of 19. What, the issue with him is Steph was quick, right? Like Trey Young's not that quick at an NBA level. So being able to get inside the arc and create space for that jumper to then be to be as deadly as it can be, that takes a lot of work. And that's something Steph took a while to figure out, too. And I just don't know that Trey Young ever gets to that point. You know he can shoot from 30, 35 feet. That's great. If the defense says, we're not going to let you do that, how do you create that advantage? I just don't know where Trey Young develops that at a, at a level that makes you feel like, Oh, yeah, he's definitely the guy for us over Luka Doncic. I know it's kind of impossible to rate a draft two days after the fact or three days after the fact, but who do you think had the best draft on Thursday? I mean, even though it was it's a risky pick because of the medicals, like Denver getting Michael Porter Jr. at 14, just from a value standpoint, you got a guy who a year ago before the back injury was probably the number one pick. And you got him at the end of the lottery after you missed out a playoff spot by by an overtime period, or really a last-second shot in in the fourth quarter. And so to get that kind of impact player, even if he has to miss this next year and you got to build him up slowly, I, I I just think that that's such an incredible play on their part and, and a lot of fortune. And, and even if it doesn't work out, I think you have to feel like they made the absolute right decision. Um, I really like what the Clippers did at first. I, I think they have a versatile backcourt with what they drafted. I, it might be a little redundant, and I and I maybe would have gone with the you know more of a wing player or a big man. Um, and then Robert Williams falling to the falling to the Celtics at twenty seven. You know that guy was an end of the lottery projection, and and to get him towards the end of the first round, it just feels like great value. Yeah, absolutely. I was shocked that he fell because I thought he would go, what, 11, 12? I mean, once again, the Celtics figured out. Danny Ainge doing a great job. Uh, If you look at Phoenix, DeAndre Ayton and Mikel Bridges adding to what they have with Devin Booker. I mean, we all love watching League Pass late at night uh, throughout the season. That's going to be a team that we're all going to check out, right, the Phoenix Suns? Oh, absolutely. And and, uh, and Igor... Kokoska, their their new coach, like he's going to be a good coach. This might actually be a team that you want to watch. Yeah. Past like, oh, let's see if Devin Booker helped my fantasy team today, right? Like there might they might actually play good basketball this year. The only thing I didn't like about that draft is I'm not sure that I'm not sure they needed to give up that Miami pick. I think that Miami pick is going to be extremely valuable someday. And so to give that in the in the trade for Bridges, um, that that's a you know, that just puts a little bit of a of a of a you know, red mark on on that draft, but Aiton's going to be a monster. Uh, Bridges is a fantastic player, and and I think that just moving forward, if you can if you can pair you know those two way wing players around Devin Booker like Bridges and give him a defensive big man, which maybe Aiton can be, and I don't know that you can kill him for what happened in Arizona because he just he was just under one of the worst coaches in college basketball. Which I don't know why we talk about we don't talk about it enough. Sean Miller is a horrendous coach, and so he really went this entire year without coaching. But to put those type of guys 
around Booker makes his job so much easier. His job has been so tough up to this point. I really want to see how he flourishes once those guys kind of get their feet wet. You mentioned the uh, Timberwolves earlier. What do you think of another year of Coach Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler and the rest of the gang? Uh, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Someone's got a bet here, and I don't mean I don't mean <laughs> Thibodeau because we know that's not going to happen. I mean yeah. between between Jimmy Butler and the Carl Anthony Towns Andrew Wiggins camp because there was a lot of tension. Jimmy Butler, I don't believe, respects those two just from a work standpoint and, and an understanding of the system standpoint. As much as as much as Thibodeau gets killed in Minnesota, like they you know fans really don't like him there, and I get it. I get the whole minutes thing and you know being stubborn about system and all of that. For, for as much as he gets killed, the two guys who had the biggest impact on that team last year, on both ends of the floor, were Jimmy Butler and Taj Gibson. The two guys that bought into the system, the two guys that followed the rules every every play down the floor on what they're supposed to do. I do want to see what it looks like if if, if Towns buys in buys in defensively and Wiggins buys in defensively. You know how much do they grow? I think I think Thibodeau puts a real ceiling on what they can be just from a this team hits their peak standpoint, and they still got to fill out the roster because they really don't have the bench right now other than the two rookies they just drafted and, and Gordy Jang. But, um, but I think that if they, you know, if those guys buy in and and we see them, you know, really accept those roles, especially on the defensive end, maybe that's a 50-win, 55-win team. Now, I don't know if that's going to translate to postseason success because they just don't shoot threes and you can't do that anymore. But I do think that there's, there's got to be some kind of compromise between the younger camp and the older camp. Jimmy Butler taking shots at uh, younger players. Shocking, isn't it's it? It's weird, right? Like, <laughs> I know. He's trying something new in a new city. I, you know, he, we know he never did that in Chicago, so yeah. it's kind of a weird thing for him. Well, I was going to say, it's also shocking that Thibodeau is wearing out a fan base as well. <laughs> I mean, it, this I mean, is no, all always, rinse repeat of what we went through. Year. I mean, it, it only it, took about a year <laughs> in Minnesota before we were like, we're like oh, you know what? Well, this guy's not for us. Get about it. <laughs> It's amazing. Zach, thanks for taking some time today to hang out with us. We appreciate it. We love talking basketball with you. Anytime. Thanks, guys. So uh, check out Zach Harper, uh, FanRag Sports. That's where he writes. He's on the Count the Dings podcast network with uh, Jade Hoyd and uh, Big Woes and uh, who else is on there? Uh, Tom Haberstrow, all the guys who used to be on ESPN. They have their own podcast network now. It's great. Check them out. It's awesome. It's a great time. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. We will update you on the Cubs information since we're about uh, 45 minutes away from the start of their game. Chris Bryant's not in the lineup. They're playing musical chairs with starting pitchers for the next couple days uh, before Tuesday when John Lester will go next. We will update that news and talk with Nick Ferdell about the NBA and the Chicago Bulls coming up right here on ESPN 1000. Rums, please. This is Chicago's game day. I've made it a point. To go try and see all the festivals that I've been missing in Chicago. Oh yeah, dude, it's summer. That means we gotta buy fireworks. There's always something going on. I think I may go hit the Old yeah. Town, is it the, the Art Fair, yeah. Street Fair. There's, there's gotta be something going on every day. All right, everybody in the pool. <laughs> this is Chicago's game day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on Chicago's Game Day on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We will get to Nick Friedle in just a second. Over the course of the next half an hour, we will give away a four-pack of tickets to see the Overton's 400 at Chicagoland Speedway Sunday, July 1st. Listen this next half hour 
We will ask you a question about what takes place over the course of the next half an hour, and you can win a four-pack of tickets to the Chicagoland Speedway on Sunday, July 1st. There's lots of Cubs news going on, Abdallah, before we get to Nick. Chris Bryant out of the lineup today. Sore shoulder. Possibly he'll be back on Tuesday. He might have another day off tomorrow with travel and everything to L.A. with the Dodgers series coming up. Uh, but Chris, Chris Bryant now out back-to-back games. Also, lots of movement with the pitching staff. John Lester will pitch on Tuesday. So tomorrow in L.A., we will have another questionable, we don't know who's pitching game. Mm-hmm. The Cubs need to figure out that and get someone to Los Angeles to pitch before the rotation picks back up on Tuesday mm-hmm. with Lester and then Hendricks on Wednesday, Quintana on Thursday. So uh, a lot up in the air with the Chicago Cubs. Uh, they play at twelve ten against the Reds, trying to avoid the sweep. Jesse tweets that the Cubs are going to have a question mark start, like you mentioned, on Thursday. So instead, they move that question mark to Monday. It could be smart. All the regulars get an extra day, and instead of flying a distracted Chatwood out to L.A. for Thursday, he can now just start at home on Friday because on Friday they have that earlier start. It's a 4 o'clock start because they wanted the, they can't have a night game at Wrigley on a Friday. Sure. And but, they wanted the latest possible start right? because they, they didn't want 120 because they're coming back from the West Coast oh. with no day off in between. And a tough series in Cincinnati, which now because yeah. today – you have Montgomery going because Chatwood was scratched because yeah. of the pregnancy of his wife. So you now are looking at a sweep in Cincinnati, yeah. straight in the face. Maybe a bad travel to Los Angeles where you don't know who your starter is. Uh-huh. All right. Well, and now you just send whatever starter you just send them now from wherever right. they come from to L.A. Like yep. you send them right now. Yep. Like they need pack pack your bags. Let's go, kid. All right. Uh, let's get to Nick Verdell. I'm Chris Black with Adam Abdallah. Nick gets antsy when you don't go to him right away uh I, i've heard in the past uh so let's get nick Ferdell, espn nba reporter on with us right now we'll address his summer of nick in a second uh nick overall how do you think the bears uh the bulls fared in their draft on thursday night uh coming off the draft show with jonathan hood and myself yeah chris we were sitting there when it was all going down at the advocate center and i actually like what the bulls did i thought they had a really good night uh, i think carter will be better than uh, a lot of people are giving him credit for now. I think he fits very well with Lowry Markkinen, uh, and he can be that guy that they can build with uh, for you know the next five six years as they continue to try to develop this core. I, I was listening to you guys talking to Zach Harper earlier. I think that's the biggest key now for the Bulls as you go through draft night is who are you trying to build around. Uh, and they believe Markinen can be that guy, uh, but he's got to prove it uh, this season. We were talking to Garn Pax about it after the draft, uh, and I think they sound confident that, that he can turn into that guy, but nobody's really sure. Uh, as for Hutchison, I, will, I didn't get a chance to watch him much through the year. Uh, very clearly the Bulls are high on him, though, uh, because as we know, I mean, they, they made that promise. <laughs> Pax didn't deny that that promise was made uh, if he were there in the first round. He was. They took him. Uh, and this is where you have to trust in in the, your staff and the work that everybody has put in. So if he can come in and help you off the bench right away, uh, along with Carter uh, coming in, potentially starting, and, and being along, alongside Markkinen and, and stretching the floor a little bit, I really think they had a pretty good night. 
Uh, Nick, uh, Pax didn't deny it, but Gar did. Well, uh, Gar, <laughs> Gar denied a few things that uh, have turned out to be uh, uh, the opposite over time. So, uh, look, the the key here is this is where, uh, you, you know, Chris, we, last year you, you see a guy like Kuzma at the end of the first round. Uh, this is where you trust in all that time that you spend watching a guy. And if you really believe, you and I were with Hoodie uh, going through that list, and I believe he was like the 38th-ranked pro, uh, prospect on ESPN.com. Nobody's going to care about those numbers so long as a guy like Hutchison now comes in and produces. And if he produces the way they believe he can, more power to him for finding him towards the end of the first round. He can shoot it. Uh, that's a, the, the rep on him is that he can come in and light it up from the outside. What have the Bulls been lacking for the last couple of years, aside from when Nico got really hot and they were able to move him to New Orleans? Guys who could come in, stretch the floor, and knock it down from three. So if this kid can do it uh, in small doses off the bench, uh, then they, they've really gotten uh, a potential steal at the back end of the first round. So what's next? Uh, you are going to hear a lot about free agency uh, and the cap space the Bulls have, but Adam, I don't believe they're going to use it. Uh, I think that they are going to hold the vast majority of that space into next season because uh, they know, and you guys went through some of the lists uh, for next year, they know there are a lot more guys out there. And even more, I mean, you're looking at uh, guys in the short term like Clint Capella, you know, would you want to give him a max offer sheet, Julius Randle, uh, depending on what happens out there with the Lakers, he may be on the market. But, like, not, neither of those guys are guys that I would want to give max money to. I think they're really nice players, but I'm not of the belief that you just use the money to use the money uh, if you're the Bulls. If you really believe in what these guys can do, uh, the Markkanen's, I mean, I'm not as high on Levine as, as some are. If you believe that Dunn can have uh, a better year than he showed at times last season, and then you add Carter, you already have Bobby Portis. Uh, you got to decide what you're going to do with David Nawaba uh, at the end of that bench. Uh, you know, who knows what Denzel Valentine's going to be? Although the, he was pretty inconsistent and has been for the last two years. But guys, the point is, if you believe in the young talent you've got. That is close to a playoff team next year if they all stay healthy and they all produce. So if you're at least in the conversation next season and you have this ton of cap space, uh, depending on what happens with Levine, you say to yourself, okay, we're going to we're going to play this next season out. We're going to have a lot of uh, of time to figure out what we want to do a year from about right now. Uh, and then you hope that you can make some kind of splash with the money that you do have. You know, Bulls fans shake their head and they say, okay, well, what about Carlos Boozer? What about Ben Wallace? I, I understand. I'm just saying there are not a lot of teams out there with the cap space the Bulls do have. <laughs> and, excuse me, if, if the young core is promising the way they think it can be, they're going to be in pretty good shape next summer. Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Nick Ferdell right here on ESPN 1000. Okay, Nick, do you remember the Choose Your Own Adventure books from back in the day when you were a kid? Yes. Okay, so here are the options. We can either continue to ask you basketball questions or we can give you a quiz on BuzzFeed that will recommend the perfect rom-com that you can watch tonight. Which would you like to do? 
to wrap well, up this interview. Considering considering my mom's still here for a couple of days, I don't think it benefits me at all to watch any rom coms. So too, let's start. Too bad. Uh, okay, so we're not we're not going to do the bullet, we're not going to yeah. do basketball we're questions. Not, we're going to do the BuzzFeed quiz uh, to uh, recommend the perfect rom com for tonight. So Abdallah will ask you questions. There are answers uh, that you can pick one of the four. And we will get the perfect rom-com for Nick Friedle to watch this evening. Okay, right, Nick, here we go. You gotta be quick, Nick. You ready, okay? Nick? This shouldn't be hard for you. You gotta be quick. All right. This shouldn't be hard. Tighten don't, it up. Don't think. Just answer. Ready? No, you don't. Him and Hall. Okay, Nick. All right. No good questions. What's your ideal date? Going to the movies? Going for fancy cocktails? Going for romantic candlelit dinner? Or hanging out at home, cooking and watching Netflix? Uh, going to the movies. How do you feel about PDA? Ew, never. I love them. I never hold back. Or holding hands is fine, but nothing more than that. I I love PDA. You would. It's gross. Isolate that. Isolate that. What personality trait do you find most attractive in a significant other? A good sense of humor, ambition, loyalty, kindness, their sense of romance. Loyalty. What physical trait do you find most attractive in a significant other? Eyes, lips, torso, arms. Torso. Come on, Nick. Let's go. Nick. Eyes, eyes. How do you feel about marriage? It's my dream to get married one day. I'm not particularly fussed either way, but I'd like to find the right person came along. I never want to get married. I'm undecided. I'd like to get married. How do you feel about having children? I definitely want kids. I'm undecided. I'd like to, but only with the right person. I definitely don't want kids. Uh, I definitely want kids. I could have answered all these for him. I know. What, what would say? What, what would say your most attractive quality is? My sense of humor, the fact I care so much about my friends and family, my loyalty, my thoughtfulness. My loyalty. How many relationships have you had? None. One to three. Three to four. Four to five. Uh, one to three. Where would you be most likely to meet a partner? At work? At college? Through friends? Online? Or at a bar or club? Oh my gosh. weird <laughs> where would you go on your dream vacation with your significant other a romantic city break somewhere in europe a deserted beach in the maldives an adventure holiday anywhere in the world a cute staycation or a safari uh, a beach how many questions is what there? do you think is the most single most important thing for relationships to succeed physical attraction emotional connection shared interest trust romance the most important is trust you got pretty woman. All right, Nick, Nikki. You're, you're a true romantic through and through. You love date nights and public displays of affection, but most importantly, value your relationship above all else. This is why pretty woman, which is packed full of romance, is completely perfect for you. Enjoy. I've seen it. It's okay. All right. Thanks for your time. Talk to you later, Nick. <laughs> All right, guys. No summer of Nick. What are you doing? What are you doing today? What are you doing? What are you doing today? your summer. What are you doing today? It's nice out. You going to Pride? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna check out a couple festivals. All right. My mom and I Nondescript. are going. Uh, we're we're going to lunch. We haven't figured out where yet. Probably Joe's. I went to. Uh, I mean, it's a good possibility for sure. Joe's and Dick is always always high on the list. But I went to Lake Shake the other night. Ooh, get your country on? And I, that was the first country music thing I'd ever seen uh, up close. It was Blake Shelton, who mm-hmm. the only thing I knew was that he was a, a judge on that show. And it was fun. Did you like, see everybody out there was having a good time. Uh, it, it, was, it was very interesting. I went to a cool restaurant the other night. 
Boof House. Uh, big fans of, of the show and the station. Hey, Nick. So that uh, was cool. Nick, thanks for coming out last night. Hey, what? Nick, you at least you got... me at 10.30. Yeah, at least you got... dinner with my mom. At least you there. got the text message. I didn't even get a text message to say that they were out. Yeah, and it was Tim. That's the best part. Tim was saying, hey, where are you? I, I thought I had friends, good. Nick. All right, go, go, watch thought, pretty, go watch Pretty Woman, all right? I thought I had friends. <laughs> oh, says the kid who I've texted for nine years and been like, come over here. No, I'm not going there. Okay. Because you, you're always so far away. <laughs> sure. Okay. Goodbye, Nick. <laughs> Goodbye. Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. You can download the podcast of today's show on the ESPN app and at ESPNChicago.com. We had Vincent Goodwill on, Jesse Rogers, Zach Harper, Nick Ferdell. You can listen to that podcast on the ESPN app. Thank you to Eric Ostrowski for producing the show today. One more four-pack to the Chicagoland Speedway to give away for July 1st, the Overton's 400. Abdallah, we talked to Nick. We gave him a quiz from BuzzFeed to figure out which movie, which rom-com he should watch tonight. If you know the answer, which movie Nick should watch tonight, call her number one at 312-332-3776. You win the tickets. Yeah, and it should be a fun night for Nick. Yeah, it's the Overton's 400 at the Chicagoland Speedway on Sunday, July 1st. The stars of the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series returns to the Chicagoland Speedway. Get your tickets now through Ticketmaster.com. So the first correct caller will get a four-pack of tickets. Yeah, uh, we have, let's see. One tweeter here, Wally, would like to say that I got incredibly big-timed last night by Chris Bleck. What is this world coming to? Wow. Hashtag Heisman, bro. Dude, I texted you early in the night. You never responded. You texted. You had to go through side texts. Someone else texted Nick again, and someone texted uh, Adam Amin, our friend of the show, Adam Amin. But no, well, listen. I couldn't get a, hey, we're going to public house. Do you want to come to dinner? I couldn't get that. I thought I had friends. Well, sometimes the Abdallahs are uh, tough to uh, pin down. Nope. Uh, All you got to do is say, hey. On a Saturday hey. night. It's like it's kind of like last Saturday where, hey, we're, my wife and I are going to dinner in 15 minutes. Do you want to join us? That was different. That was a spur of the moment thing. I'm just saying. It's, it, it seems like the invites are there without actually wanting to the response. Did like, you get you, invited? You know the response you're getting. Well, at least you got an invite. I mean, was it? Was it an invite? Catch Abdallah and I tomorrow all over the station. Sorry again, nine, Captain Company. We'll talk to you tomorrow on ESPN 1000.